on this episode of the Star Wars Time Show. Matt and hopefully Nick will put Andor Season 1 to bed with a retrospective segment covering the season's top moments, episodes, and of course, some of the less than perfect Andor content too. They'll then shift over to the Mandalorian and the Acolyte, which both got interesting updates since the dudes last spewed their Star Wars takes. If you're down with Mr. Milk Toast, they'll also talk about Jedi Survivor's big day at the Game Awards and its leaked release date. Of course, the show will end with the question of the week responses and the latest round of top five Star Wars fan artist features. Punch it, Chewie. here i got my <laughs> mic on and everything hey 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 now everybody sorry i was excited you know nick and i were catching up he just got back from china or wherever he was at last week mexico. when he couldn't make the show mexico, yeah. mexico that's right he's 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 back so he didn't get stabbed murdered kidnapped raped put into uh what, what do they do now with people human trafficking Human trafficking so yeah. that's that's good did you see any of that shit down there or did you I guys mean, stay in we, the in the resort with the guards and everything i would say like i mean honestly like we went to so we landed in the cancun airport and then we had like a, a transportation already you have like, to avoid getting shivved like as soon as you get out of the plane they're like no, i will say that like when you get off at the cancun airport it's like <laughs> There's vendors everywhere. Like everybody's trying yeah. to like sell you stuff or everybody's like yeah, trying dude. to like get you in there. It's like, oh, take my cab, take this cab, take, this. you know, so like everybody's <laughs> like trying to pull you in a direction. But like, um, honestly, like it, I, I never felt unsafe because in like in Cancun and like that area of Mexico, it's like all the tourist places. And when you're driving so like when we left the airport, we had like an hour and 20 minute drive to get to our resort and all that transportation was like set up by the resort. So like as we were driving, you can just see like as you're driving across the, the highway that like there are police just like in cars out at like, you know, checkpoints and stuff like that, like every mile. So yeah. it's, it's like. It is actually cartel like, police, like remarkably <laughs> well policed there. And like once we got on the the resort grounds, then we just kind of hung out there is, and just did pool stuff. So like, pool is, is Mexico kind of like the Dominican, where if you're not on resort, it looks essentially like a bombed out country, or is it a little more built up? Not in that area. In that area, right. it definitely is. Like there are Starbucks and there's McDonald's. Like there's okay. just like yeah. very like noticeable places all around that area because it is basically like the, the resort capital of Mexico down there. So right. Yeah. That one's okay. That, that place is a little bit. Yeah. Cause we, I I've only been out of the country a few times and, and I don't feel bad about that, especially in today's climate. Like I'm, I'm good staying in the United States at least for a few more years. <laughs> uh, but when I went to the Dominican, I was, I was shocked yeah, with just, how poorly funded the rest of the island is outside of the, yeah, the coast. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, it's like, it literally looks like a war-torn country. I mean, yeah. just blown out buildings, people living on the side of the road. And so, I right. saw some of that in Jamaica when I went to Jamaica. Like, a, I mean, I would, this was probably 
15 years ago at this point, like when, when we went to Jamaica on a cruise and like we went through some of like the non tourist areas, it definitely was reminded me of that too. Like, you know, houses without roofs and people sleeping on the street and stuff like that. You just kind of see all that stuff. Well, it, it looks like you tan as well as I did. So was it, was it bad <laughs> weather or just not a lot of sitting outside? Uh, no, I mean, we were sitting outside and stuff, but like I had like my skin, just like when I was there, you could tell that I was like, I had gotten sun and I had like a little bit of a base layer tan, but like my skin just immediately turns, turns back to white. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't, I don't you're hold the on the whitest that. of the white guys. Yeah. Now, I'm with you. I mean, he, he, like, listen, man, I'm, I'm short. I've been married a long time. I'm fat. I'm not pulling ass anymore. So like I'd say for the past eight years, maybe I'm the guy at the beach wearing shirts, like fucking swim shirts, long sleeve, high neck collar. I'll have like the brimmed hat on. I'm not trying like can't skin cancer. I feel like it's the one cancer we can almost avoid completely yeah. if we're smart about it. So here we are. This is like a, I don't care if I'm pasty white. 12 months a year, it doesn't matter. I'm not getting skin cancer because I'm I'm already going to get either lung cancer, brain cancer, colon cancer, prostate cancer, or, you know, you name it. So, and I'm not stopping all the shit that's going to cause all those. So I might as well look like an asshole when I'm at the beach. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, you know, I mean, we were kind of lamenting the fact when Andor was over, it's like, well, you know, I'm get back to the, the doldrums of... No new Star Wars, but I actually feel like we have an action-packed day planned today. You know, Nick wasn't here last week for the Andor finale breakdown. Luckily, we had our illustrious guest host, and he was available, Trevor Williams, a.k.a. 1-6 Shooter, to uh, fill in for Nick while he was gallivanting down south with his lady love. But with that being said, you know, I, I still want Nick to punch out the season a bit, give some of his thoughts. Everyone deserves a voice, <laughs> at least Nick, on the Star Wars Time Show. Um, so what we're, we're going to check in with him on that, and then we're going to kind of do a what I'm calling an Andor Season 1 retrospective. That's right. We're going to give you all the tops. We're going to give you the few and probably shouldn't be considered lows. But, you know, there were some points. It's like, okay, let, you know, let's speed things up. Uh, we're going to talk about our favorite episodes and maybe why and the, the least favorite episodes, that, that type of stuff. So it really is like a true retrospective. And then next week, we're going to keep it going, but we're going to start looking towards the future. We're going to look at Andor Season 2, and based on my rewatches of Rogue One now, uh, I've got some ideas, and I, I think I have some must-be-present characters. I've been taking notes for example, did anyone else realize that Melshi dies off camera in Rogue One? Did anyone ever realize that? Melshi. No. But also like and at now, the point. And now fan favorite character <laughs> just fucking dies off camera. That, at the yeah, at that point, like nobody really knew who Melshi was. <laughs> so I know, I know. But it, yeah. it is like it is with with hindsight now. You watch it and Melshi literally he, he gets called on by Andor multiple times. He he's the one that kind of breaks Jin out and gets smacked in the face by a shovel. He's the one commanding the units on Scarif, and literally they they pan away to another scene when they come back. His dead body's laying on the fucking floor. It's like you give everyone you you gave the nameless black dude. A, a hero's death, but not Melshi. So that was a surprising. I learned that the death troopers, Nick, in um, Rogue One 
were referred to as the honor guard on Scarif. And when they deployed the honor guard, that's when the death troopers showed up. And while Bays ultimately and Chirrut took them all down, it was the death troopers through their own sacrifice. I mean, they, the, the whole squad was wiped out, but they were the unit that eventually was able to vanquish the rebel incursion on the beaches. So I guess they are as skilled as we've been told. So, but there, there's other things I want to talk about. We'll save that for next week. Uh, but I do recommend, and you know, Trevor and I talked about this last week, and Nick, I know you got the busy schedule. It's your time of year. Uh, but if you can, try to check out Rogue One again. Because to me, someone that, listen, I, I, I thought it was a great movie. I just wasn't cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs over it when I first saw it. You know, it, it didn't, it, it lacked, as Nick is going to talk about, it lacked those wow moments that we've been accustomed to in some Star Wars um, content. Hold on, my special guest is here before we get into this. Welcome back, young lady. Look, young Nick is back performing his duties as my Chewbacca. We're talking about Santa Claus's movie that I want to see that you're not old enough to see yet, but one day you can go see. That's like beating up. Yeah, he's like uh, John Wick Santa. It's a great movie. I'm going to tell people to go see it. All right. I'm glad you're back. Okay. Okay. All right. Have fun at gym. May the force be with you. Remember, you're one with the force. And the force is with you. Okay. And Snowball's the elf. That's right. <laughs> we got an elf this year, my friends. And on the that elf keeps us that elf keeps us busy because <laughs> she's always monitoring the house to make sure my little kid is maintaining her righteousness for 2022. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyways, back back to my point real quick, Nick. So Rogue One, listen, like you know, Tones is in here in the chat. A lot of you were like, "Yeah, Rogue One is one of the best Star Wars movies to me." And I was like, "Great, good for you." It was never, it never felt that way for me. But now, after just one season of Andor and, and kind of getting more character development for Cassian, and, and just you know, getting that unique perspective on the Rebel movement that we've never seen before, Rogue One's fucking fantastic. It, it, it Nick, it is completely tonally different for me now yeah there there's like some gravity to it you feel more about cassian like he he makes more sense there's there's depth to him now uh the the stakes seem greater because you know where he's come from to get here and obviously you know where he's going uh but it it changed it, it completely changed how i look at the movie and I would say now it has definitely moved up a few slots in my overall Star Wars movie rankings, 100%. And that's a credit to Lord Gilroy and his team and obviously their performances and what we got in season one of Andor. So, um, But again, teasing next week, I, I took some notes because I, I, I th- there, there, there's a lot of stuff in Rogue One that I think can help guide our speculations over the next year and a half, two years for Andor season two and, and what characters need to be in there, what characters should be in there or may be in there. So that, that's kind of what we got on the horizon for next week as we continue to draw out Andor until it's completely dead <laughs> yeah. and beaten down and turned into glue. <laughs> but before we get there, real quick, a little pop culture talk. Good to have Nick back, but we're not done with the pop culture talk yet because I've got some bangers for you. You know, sometimes I get it. I sell you some shit. 
that maybe I, only I would like, or you have to be tuned up to get into it. But these two recommendations and, and maybe two more, if I go off script, are well worth your time, money, and effort. And I'm going to start with a new release. And what I'm going to go ahead and just say, my new favorite Christmas movie of all time, Violent Night, starring David Harbour as Nickum in the Red, a.k.a. <laughs> Santa Claus. I don't know what to tell you, man. Like when I saw trailers for this, I was like, ooh, boy, that, that's a little dangerous. I don't know. That could, it, that could come off as like completely slapsticky and stupid or it could potentially work. And I'm happy to report after watching an early screening of Violent Night, which I would describe as a it's a dark comedy. OK, dark, dark comedy. John Wick style combat. Uh, the gore's even further over the top than John Wick. Uh, and then the story has elements of Die Hard, R-rated Home Alone. <laughs> and unlike most Christmas movies today, which are usually, you know, rom-coms wrapped in a Christmas wrapping, you know what I mean? Yeah. It actually has like a, a, a Santa Claus-based myth-based Star Wars story contained within all that craziness. So <laughs> it is, Nick, I was like, I was sitting there like some of this shit's so shocking. You just laugh out loud. It's like that type of stuff or it's so silly. You laugh out loud. Yeah. And, and I was doing that along with the audience at the theater. And, and by the end of this movie, I was just like, this is everything a fucked up person like me could ever want in a Christmas movie. Uh, not to spoil anything, but let's just, it opens with Santa drinking at a bar. And when he pulls away on his sleigh, he throws up on the bar owner from a sleigh. I mean, it, it's like, it's as dark comedy as like in the toilet as it gets, but it's not stupid. It, it actually, there is a story to watch. There's, I, it, I would dare I even say it, there's a little bit of a heartwarming story in there. There is a little girl. Her Christmas is at risk. Will Santa help? I don't know. So Violent Night, it's up there with the Christmas greats immediately. Like I'm talking Christmas Vacation, Die Hard, The Home Alones, you name it. It's a winner. Okay. All right. I'm sure, I don't think it's probably on your and Taylor's list. No, probably uh, not. <laughs> but you know, if you, if, you, if you sneak out with the boys or you want to get out on your own, well worth the watch. Okay. Violent Night, 100%. Gotcha. Um, other Christmas movies, Nick, that you may have watched and we just haven't touched base, uh, Spirited on TV Plus, very good, with okay, Will yeah. Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, yeah, You guys will dig that. It's a play on Scrooge, Scrooge's story, whatever, the, what's that called? Christmas Carol? Yeah, Something Christmas like that. Carol. Or, yeah. Uh, the, the Christmas Story sequel, fantastic. Not like the stupid uh, A Christmas Story 2, the one that just came out on HBO Max. Very well done. And if you are into those dopey Christmas movies that are rom-coms, which I'm not going to lie, I am. I, I can get into a rom-com, okay? I'm not, I'm not embarrassed to admit that. Right? Nick, you know the formula in rom-coms. Two, two people that don't really know each other. Uh, they, they, they're put in situations where they meet each other, and then they know they're right for each other, but they resist it. Yeah, right? They yeah. resist it, resist. Then just as they're about to not resist it and realize that, hey, we are perfect for each other. 
a wrench gets thrown into the mix, right? This is usually at with like 25, 30 minutes left in the movie. And then they have to they have to get through the wrench and it looks like everything's going to blow up and they're not going to fall in love. And then at the last minute, something happens. The wrench gets resolved. They realize they love each other. End of story. <laughs> but anyways, I, I, I watched a new one of these on Netflix and it, not going to lie. I mean, it... it I, I, I mean, it's not like some big budget thing. It's the new one with Freddie Prinze Jr. And this very fine looking lady that I forgot existed, Amy Garcia. Uh, those of you that watched Dexter, she played Batista's sister and, and Dexter's son babysitter for multiple seasons. But this lady, she's in her mid 40s. She plays like a, an aging uh, musician, pop star. Just looks fantastic. Anyway, it, it's a, it's one of those good Christmas rom-com movies. It just came out on Netflix. It's called like Christmas for Home or Home for Christmas, something like that. Check that out too. All right. So I'm getting you loaded up, Nick. Now, the thing that we both struggle with, video games. Okay? Um. I have had to <laughs> shift gears from Modern Warfare 2 because I'm finding its campaign is glitchy as fuck. Like to the point, Nick, where you'll get to the end of the campaign and you can't finish <laughs> because the rope you're supposed to climb down doesn't give you the fucking prompt to climb down. So you get shot by invisible snipers because you're on one of those. Oh, it, yeah. It's like an invisible timer where you got to get the fuck out of the mission or the game's just going to kill you. Yeah. There's no people you can see shooting at you, but there's literally bullets flying through the air that hit you and you're dead in one shot. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. Are you someone that can, I'll, I'll, I'll draw another example. Let's say you wrote like a, a 5,000 page essay okay, and word deletes it. Are you someone that can be like, oh, okay, I'll just recreate it all and type it all back out. Or are you someone that goes, fuck, and you like want to rip your face off and jump out a window and you're like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm never doing that paper again. I don't care if it's for a grade, if it's for money, I can't bring myself to redo something I just spent all this time on. It, yeah. I would say you. I would probably lean a little bit more that way. Like I would exhaust all of my like, can I recover this options? And yes. if I can't okay. recover it, then it's like, well, it doesn't exist anymore and nor will yeah, okay. it. Okay. <laughs> so, so you're kind of like me and I'm like, listen, man, I like this game. I want to see the campaign play out. I want to get through the story, but I am not replaying this fucking mission again immediately. It's like, I got to walk away. So I walked away and lo and behold, I see there, there's all this hubbub around this new Marvel game, Marvel Midnight Suns, Marvel Midnight Suns. I'm like, holy shit. I am so out of touch with gaming. I don't even know when these big AAA titles are coming out. Like, Nick, there was a there, there, there was like a, a game from the Arkham Asylum team that came out over the fall that we never heard about or played. I, I think it's called like Gotham Knights or something oh, like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. I actually did uh, see something about that, but I also heard that it was awful. So, But do you know what I mean? It's just yeah, like, yeah. We're, you lose at least track me yeah, you and lose. you, I feel like from where we used to be, how you would have been in like your fucking 20s or teens when I was in my 30s, we were in the know. We knew, we knew when this shit was coming out. We knew, we were like, all right, this day, this game's coming out. I, I'm completely lost. Anyways, good news here. This Marvel Midnight Suns comes out. I'm reading about it. It's getting a bunch of positive buzz on, on the Twitters and whatnot. People I follow that I appreciate and respect. And, and I start reading more into them. Like, Marvel Midnight Suns, a turn-based strategy game from Firaxis. And Firaxis, correct me if I'm wrong, are they the XCOM developers or are they the Civilization developers or are they both? I think, Do you remember? So I, Fur Axis, yeah. F-I-R Axis. 
Uh, yeah, I'm not Give sure. Firaxis for sure did like Spore and shit like that. Um, let's see what their games are. Uh, Sid Meier's, yeah, like they do civilization yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, so they, but they, not not XCOM. Yeah, Civilization, all of those. I don't think they do XCOM. Yeah, I think XCOM. All right, it, it, it oh, doesn't wait, matter yeah. either way. They they're... did one XCOM game. They did XCOM Enemy Unknown, but they didn't do the primary XCOM series. Oh, game. so they did the console port of the first XCOM game, then I believe. Yeah. All right. So good developer. If you ever played Civilization, it's one of the best. You know, one more turn type of games, uh, turn-based strategy. Who cares? Midnight Suns think it, it it has elements of XCOM. Okay. It is a turn-based strategy game where you, you know, you're on a, you're on a map and you got your bad guys. They make their moves. You got your good guys. You make your moves. But the difference between XCOM is I, I don't feel like it's as hardcore turn-based strategy in terms of you got to make sure your snipers are in cover. If they get hit once, they're probably going to die. You know, it's, it's, it's a little more loosey goosey. The environment isn't as big. You're not really walking your characters through a map like you do in XCOM. You're more or less in a confined arena in Midnight Suns. And within the arena, there, there's there environments you can interact with. You know, you can hit people with exploding barrels. You can throw them in the electricity, whatever. The other difference, Nick, is like a lot of these mobile games and, and popular strategy games these days, it's it's card based. OK, yeah. so you, each character you can have in your party, which is a three character party, you can pick what cards they can use. And then the cards are randomly drawn when you're in battle. You know, you can attack, you can heal, you can do a hero move. Then when you're not in combat, so the combat's great. If, if you're into that XCOM one more turn type of addictive gameplay. It's got that down pat. Outside of that, just for Marvel nuts, if you're into the lore, I mean, it's got like a whole story going on with, with Lilith and the Midnight Suns, which I don't know shit about, but apparently it's, I, I think it exists within canon. Agatha is in it and, and like the witches, there, there's big stuff on the witches. So it's kind of tying in the stuff we learned in, in WandaVision. But like I said, outside of battle, you actually go back to this open area fortress or whatever. You can go around. You can find uh, secret shit the, or collectibles, I guess, is what they call them in video games. <laughs> uh, you can, you know, get different kits to wear. You can talk to other characters like Blade, Iron Man, Strange, and build relationships with them. And depending on your relationship, you can get different powers. So it, it's got all that addictiveness to it. And for the first time in a while... I'm finding myself wanting to game. So that's telling my mushy brain game good, <laughs> right? Game good. Midnight Suns is good. If you're, if you're a fan of Marvel, it's characters, it's lore, and you want to get in there and kind of have your own character and play with them, highly recommend it, especially if you're, you're not on the God of War train or any of that stuff right now. This is a banger. In fact, I wish I'd almost rather be playing that right now than talking Star Wars, but... I just said almost, <laughs> and we know almost only counts in what, Nick? Horseshoes and, and hand grenades. And IEDs that are made by the people in <laughs> Ferrix, and that's the only thing that happened in that battle. <laughs> I love that guy, the, the little kid getting revenge for his dad being hung, throwing his homemade pipe bomb out there. Yeah. So, All right, that those are my pop culture recommendations. I, I don't know, Nick's been traveling. He may yeah, not have any. Have is, have is there anything? anything? Okay. Literally nothing. Like. I brought my Steam Deck with me, didn't even touch it on the flight or on the drive to to and from the resort. 
So I didn't play anything. I mean, I will say, okay, my one pop culture rec- recommendation is Wednesday. If you have not seen Wednesday yeah, I'm, on I'm Netflix, eager to watch that. it is so good. Like I, I've been a fan of the Adams family movies from the nineties since I was a kid, since like I first saw them. Well, yeah, you, you literally would have been a kid because yeah. they were like not what 90, 91, something I think like it that. Was, yeah. Like early, early nineties. And like, I was always a fan after that. Like Taylor had never seen them when we started dating. I was like, you got it. Like, you know, like, yeah, like there are other things that I like that you probably won't like. But you have to see the Adams Family movies like you are going to like them. And Jenna Ortega as Wednesday is fantastic. Like she she nails that character. The like the the fun Tim Burton-esque type of like uh, environment and characters that are in there are fantastic. Creature design is really fun, too. I mean, it's just overall like a fun little murder mystery show. That's like placed in the Adams family universe and it just works really well. So if you haven't watched Wednesday on Netflix, definitely uh, dedicate some time to it. And, and I, I'm, I guarantee you'll enjoy it. Your name is floating all over the screen, but I was listening. Yeah. I, and trust me, I'm not on anything. Okay. Mm-hmm. Everyone chill out. <laughs> His name was literally just going like up and down. It's like, what the fuck? Welcome back, Nick. Yeah. Go. Um, did you do the black and white Adams family then? Like the original show? I had seen a couple of episodes of the original show, just like with my grandma. Like we used to watch like Nick at night and TV land and stuff like that when I was like much younger, but I don't like, I was never really like, Never really knew too much about that black and white Adams family as I did like once it actually came to yeah like, I don't you know, movies. I, I think you're right. Like when I was little, I must have just sat in front of Nick at night because I I used to watch a ton of fucking Mr. Ed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the monsters. Yep. Oh, Three I love Stooges, the monsters. Yeah, and and Ad, and Adams family. Like yeah. I mean, the monsters and Adams family. I think would probably still hold up even today, just like Three Stooges. I mean. If you can find some Three Stooges episode, just throw them on. The shit is hilarious. It's yeah. it's dumb as fuck, but it's funny, dumb as fuck shit. <laughs> that was a very intelligent sentence, by the way. Hey, hey. Oh, I wonder why people don't like coming on this show. <laughs> Got the point across. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, it was just fun. It was just a fun show. And like, I'm, are, the, are the recent animated Adams Family movies any good then? Dude, we've seen both of them. Have you gone that far? Them? We've seen both yeah. of them in theaters and we've enjoyed both of them. I mean, it's okay. it's going to be right. a different style of comedy because it does lean, it leans more into like the actual Charles Adams comic strips than it does like the shows or the movies. Like it's, a, it's plenty more slapsticky and it like takes advantage of the animated genre where you, you you're not like bound by having real people having to do shit. Um, but they are fun. Like they, they, you know, it still has that like creepy, funny Adams family vibe. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I've been a fan of those as well. So. All right. All right. 10, four. Yeah. I still need to watch the finale of peripheral. According to the intern, it's a banger. He watched it back to, like twice back to back and it has a post credit stinger. I just Gotta, hope they get a second season because I haven't heard any any word yeah. on that. But it, it, the season has maintained its its it, it's good. The in- integrity has been maintained. Yeah, uh, and it's definitely going somewhere. And they give you answers, Nick. I know you're a little behind, but you, yeah. 
um, episode seven that that it's like if you had any questions left, they pretty much are like, okay, this this is what's this is what's happening. If you listen, this is what's happening, yeah. and I appreciate that. And shows where you know time travels mixed in and alternate timelines, yeah. so on and so forth. It, it helped. All right, we think talk a little Star Wars. Okay. Yeah, I guess we can. Um, I can. So let, 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 let's get into it. This is our so this is our season one retrospective. I, did, do you, do you want to say anything about the finale since you weren't here to kind of give your thoughts, or do you just want to do your your I'll, I'll your season one wrap? Yeah, like so, I'll say something about the finale, um, real quick. In in a season of TV, like in like all of Andor had this you know this thing of like build up to a crescendo and then come down build up to a crescendo and then come down i feel like in the finale there was too much build up towards something and then the the episode really only came into its to its own in the last 20 minutes so i feel like they i understand where they were going for and i understand that like they they they're like building dramatic tension because it seems like tony gilroy just has a hard on for that but like in a series that has been so much build up over time, like I feel like half of an episode of build up or more than half of an episode of build up for a finale was too much. Um, so that's what I'll say about that. Everything else was like pretty stock standard. I don't feel like I, I it definitely wasn't my favorite episode of the season, but it also wasn't my least favorite True. episode of the season. Um, Do you just, at least feel like it, it stuck the landing? Do you at least feel like that? Like it, it, it put a nice little point on the season and, and we know where we're going in yeah, two. Yeah. Or, I mean, it did a good okay. job of like, uh, maybe this is what he was trying to do, but it, 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 it did a good job of like setting a, a ground floor for season two. Um, but I don't think that it was a spectacular finale. Yeah, I mean, my my biggest critique last week, and it, I don't even know if you could call it a critique. Not, I don't even think you are really critiquing it. It's, I was I was surprised that there were no finale surprises or twists and turns because we we've been kind of conditioned in a lot of shows to expect something funky to happen it over also, the final two episodes of a series. Yeah, it it here's one other thing I'll say. It felt small, like, and it should you know, like it's not like a huge battle, like. The, you know, the the Death Star attack in episode six or, or anything like that. But like for the build up to this, like you had two episodes essentially building up to like this funeral is going to be a massive moment in the in the spark of the rebellion. Like that's why I kind of made that joke about the pipe bomb is like, is that all you got? Like you, you this entire fucking city had how long to to like prepare for this? And all you have is you throw a pipe bomb. And then you it's run all off at camera. Them? We, it was all off camera. You remember oh. when Luthan was looking down from the steps? That was all happening off camera. Yeah, I mean, like, it's just <laughs> like it felt so anticlimactic for something that had so much buildup. And like, maybe that's just me expecting like bigger spectacles from Star Wars because of what we've no, had. I, in I, other I kind things. of felt the same way. The first time I watched it, I kept waiting for like, all right, when when's the big surprise coming? But and also, it, it doesn't. Like, and in the end, you can kind of it's like, all right, hey, yeah, it still stuck the it, landing, it, yeah, but it, it, it did, did lack that. Needed Whoa! To do. But like, here's one other thing I'll say too. And like the, the Imperial response to the initial like, like surge of people, like, Actually, like physically attacking them was the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like we have seen American police officers in the last 12 years shoot people dead in the middle of the street during nonviolent protests. 
and you're going to tell me that the empire is literally watching a hate speech against their government and people are throwing things at them and they're just not going to open fire. It was the most unrealistic depiction of a fucking uh, like of that situation in the Star Wars universe than could have possibly been done. Like I have watched people in my own city get shot with like non-lethal bullets that have paralyzed them during protests in the last 12 months. And you're going to tell me that there are people that are hitting Imperial officers in the head with bricks and they're not going to open fire. Like that was the stupidest hey, but thing. That, that stormtrooper was, was a hell of a shot though. It, Once he started shooting, he was, he's the best fucking shooter they had in all stormtrooper battalions. So like that, they call that, him shooter McGraw or shooter like, McGovern, it, right? If there was, a, that is my biggest critique of that is like the empire would have no, they've blown up entire planets with, for no reason. And you think that they're going to have qualms about killing 15 people that are sitting in a fucking city center? Well, some Nick, they, weren't blowing, they weren't blowing planets up at that point. They, yeah, they, they like, weren't quite the planet blowing up. But that what about point. all of the other shit that they did when they slaughtered the entire Jedi Republic because they said, well, those people are bad. <laughs> like, I mean, come I on. It's like, like the other thing. Weren't you surprised that they didn't use the fucking tank cannon anything, to shoot uh, the, the time grappler? Like they, the guy literally sent a stormtrooper to go get him, and when they could have just shot, shot a missile up to the time grip. Yeah. So like, that they whole- are the Empire, man. We, we, we remember we got into this over the Kenobi series. They're they're incompetent and dumb as fuck. So it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, like that. Like to me, when like I'm sitting there and I'm watching them, I'm like, are they, like I I sent you a message because I was I told you I was like I'm still watching the show because I haven't finished it yeah. yet. I sent you a message. I was like, did they forget how to use their guns? Like what what is happening here? Like why? Is there no response to this? Like, if anything, you use this as like to make an example of like of the of dissident, like an right. uprising dissident. But like, I think <laughs> we'll, so- we'll probably get that in, in the after action report in season two. But hey, here's here's like my devil's advocate for why uh, Dedra was very clear. Like, listen, we ain't, we ain't fucking popping shit off until I find Cassie. And so I think. That one guy was trying to hold as long as possible on that before he started getting his head stopped on. And then he's like, all right, fuck it. Let's, let's start shooting yeah, these it, motherfuckers. Pew, pew, pew. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 was, it was a very questionable way to like, yeah, I don't know. I, I saw that and I was like, wow, this is how this whole episode is going to go, huh? Like, <laughs> that was, hey. it was very disappointing. All right. Last thing on the finale and then we'll move into our retrospective before you get all angry. Were you glad that Lucasfilm made Tony drop fuck the Empire for fight the Empire? I did. Like, I just saw that now. I don't really care. Um, I mean, fuck has never been said in Star Wars before. And there's also like, like we've heard very other like, I guess you would call it like English or like real life curse words in Star Wars. So I feel like it would have felt very out of universe. So, yeah, I I guess I'm glad that they did. Okay. All right. Yeah, I just, I, like, again, I don't even pay attention to that type of stuff. But there are people, like, you can't say shit. I was like, well, then why can they use every other English fucking word in Star Wars then? Like, what? Yeah. They can know. say the, a, hi, hello, may, the, force, but they can't say swear words. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, like, I didn't their, realize Their basic that. is the exact fucking same as our English, yeah. Okay. Like, I didn't realize that was, like, an option until, like, five minutes before we went live because I saw an article about it. 
Uh, oh, it, it was a big hubbub, like, oh, man, man fuck it. Yeah, it's just like the shit thing from episode three. Like, how dare they? I'm not, who cares? Like, whatever. People yeah, have I mean, their like, own. Ultimately. They have like, their pearls to clutch with Star Wars, and, and using cuss words is not one of mine. Yeah, so ultimately, I, just, I don't I care. But, like, I can see why they did it. So, yeah. Well, yeah, you can't you, you can't say fuck in Star Wars. Yeah. Like, I, I get shit and all that other stuff, but fuck. That's my man Tony, though. That's why he's the Lord. He's like, fuck you, Lucasfilm. Eat it. Make me take it out. And they're like, okay, we will. You know what's funny? Like, Tony's not going to have as much pull next season. His show tanked. Like It doesn't matter. Dude, I, I know, like, and listen, I'll, I'll let you you speak. Your, but they're literally, it, they've been shooting it for two weeks now. So it's the plug's not pulling. We're getting Andor season oh, two. Oh, no, we're going to get Andor it, it season well two. But, like, he's not going to have it. He's not going <laughs> to be able to throw his weight around because his weight has significantly dropped. I don't know, but he's a, he's a critical received darling. Who knows? I, I don't know. And apparently Andor viewership has picked up as other shows have died off. Who knows? We love we'll it. See. We're going to go ahead and put it to bed, or at least season one today. So let, let's get into the full-on retrospective at this point. Um, I, I guess we'll do it how we did episode breakdown. So go ahead. D- just do your kind of what you wrote out, your yeah. your full season review, and then we'll we'll do top moments, episodes, uh, and shit like that. After. Yeah. So my full season thoughts that is that it's definitely the technically best Star Wars made show to date. Uh, there's no denying that. I think that like the technical aspects of the filmmaking and the show running and, and everything about the show was was the best so far. I think it's also the most consistent in terms of like episode quality from episode to episode. You don't have as much fluctuation in terms of like this was a bad episode. This was a good episode at like as you did in say like Book of Boba Fett or you could even argue in like Kenobi no Vespas. series. Yeah. So, so like you didn't have you didn't have those really bad moments like you've had in some of the other yeah, series. Yeah, it didn't. Andor never got memed, I don't think. I think no. the only meme, w- and it was a fantastic one, was I am all the Jedi, I am all the Sith, I'm a turd. <laughs> yeah, so... Like, I still love that one so fucking good. Poor Keith Gergo. Not, I want a Keith Gergo figure. Definitely not as memeable. Um, <laughs> what I was saying, and like this kind I'm of harkens turd. back to like what I was just talking about with the finale, it lacked a wow moment. And like, yeah, and I'm saying that, but when we get to our fan responses, all of our fan responses are like, well, it's not really a moment, but he just did a good job overall. (laughs) Or it's like, it's not really one moment, but there were like, uh, like a, like really good moments. And it's like, that's a problem. Like when you're trying to describe a show to somebody and it's like, you have two minutes to be like, oh man, why should I watch this show for, 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 uh, you know, for Mando S2, I can be like, hey, man, I don't want to spoil too much stuff, but there's this fucking amazing Luke Skywalker stuff at the end. You have to see it. In Mando season one, you're like, dude, the, the moment where he finds Grogu, oh, my God, it, like it changes the whole the whole season immediately. The the Kenobi mm-hmm. series, when he drag like when Vader drags Kenobi through the fire and that final fight at the in the last episode, like those are moments where you can go to somebody and say, like, this is why you should watch this show. For Andor, there's not cooler moments. Yeah. Like there's not moment. There's not a moment like that. Like the, the closest one to me is like, there's this badass ship moment with like this ship that you've never seen before in star Wars. And it's the Luthan ship moment where he like his, his Fondor craft shreds that, uh, the Imperial vessel like that. That's the closest that it really gets. But everything else, like people were saying in the comments is like, 
it's just like generally good. And like, yeah, that's never a bad, bad either. It's not a bad thing. It's just like you don't have anything that stands out. So that's that can be a problem. Um, the Mothma and Cyril storylines, I feel like stagnated pretty hard in season one. So I'm, I'm hopeful that they pick that up in season two. Um, See, I, I felt like the Mothma did, you know, we, we talked about this last week and this, this is something that's been said about this man before, but Tony is a show, not tell type of guy, storyteller. And, and the Mothma stuff, like ultimately she, she got to where she needed to get by the end. She, she threw her husband under the bus there's a cover story, but also sealed the deal with Davos to make sure she she had her her backup. Uh, but yeah, you didn't you didn't quite get as many uh, nuanced scenes with her. But I think that was his show and tell. Like here, I'm going to show you some things. I'm not going to tell you everything. You kind of have to let yeah, that it, sink in and kind of draw some conclusions. Yeah, those two characters just didn't like. I expected like Cyril, like Cyril, Cyril, and he's going to have his own deal. And I'll, he was I'll agree with you there. Like Cyril and, and, and I, what we said last week, I, I agree with whoever came up with that one, six or press pause. I, I do think he is kind of a foil for Cassian. And I think press pause said he, he may even be the, 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 the deciding factor or the reason Luthen ends up perishing. Like, you know, you get to the point where he's got to turn in Luthen or Andor and he chooses one or the other. Either way, I don't feel like Cyril really made it anywhere by the end outside of finally getting Dedra to realize, all right, this guy might be useful. Yeah. So kind of ho-hum storylines there. Um, So here's what I will say in terms of like my thoughts about not, not Andor as a series, but what the, the roll on factors for Disney plus after the reception of Andor could, could mean. And this is how I wrote it. I said, I fear this may be the solo of the Star Wars series, given all the financial troubles surrounding Disney plus, because the reality of fact is that like Disney plus, regardless of their growth numbers and stuff, as we found out recently during their earnings report is hemorrhaging money. Like bill. Yeah. 1.7 bill. Just, just like un unbelievable hemorrhage of money. And when you have shows like this, which is almost assuredly the most expensive Star Wars show that's been made so far because of Tony's insistence not to use the volume, because when you shoot on when you shoot on location, not only are you paying to use the location more than likely, you have to pay an entire crew of people that work at that location to They're do correct. it. Correct. And when you're in the volume, that is Disney owned technology that you don't have to pay for. That is a part of your welcome package to the Disney family. And, and more than likely Lucasfilm employees. Like exactly. Man in the thing. Yeah. Like crew wise. Also, Gilroy touted the number of speaking roles in this. Speaking roles pay more than non-speaking roles in and Hollywood. There, were, there, were, there was definitely 130. Like yeah. he wasn't fucking kidding. Like, and, and 30 of them are making it into season two. Yeah. I mean, like look at SAG contracts and stuff like that. If you are billed as a speaking role, you make more money. It's just of how course. it goes. So right. the on location stuff added on to the additional speaking roles puts us in a position with Andor to where it's probably like up there in terms of total production costs 
against all of the other Star Wars shows because every other Star Wars show has. So used we know the baseline's about a hundred million, right? So yeah. what, How much over a hundred do you think it was? I would say it's at least fifty percent higher. I would say it's at least one hundred and fifty million. And and the problem with that is this is the least watched Star Wars show so far. And like now, yeah, I mean, like if, if it's true that people are starting to pick it up after other shows have ended and stuff like that, then that that may salvage it. But like if you're if you're desperate enough as Disney to be like, we need to put this show on live TV, we like literally take slots away from stuff that were already scheduled in live TV moments to put this show on and then also release it on your other streaming service. That's not good. Cause that means that you are for, you're trying to force more eyes on it that weren't mm-hmm. coming to it naturally. And it's just a bad mix for like profitability when you're in a moment where the only platform that these shows are coming on is in a deep ass fucking hole. Um, so that is, that's a worrying factor. And I, and I really hope that this doesn't happen, but this could be the solo moment where they have to reassess what the, what the uh, Disney plus release schedules look like based off of how much money this platform is losing. And the fact that this is the only place where star Wars shit is coming out now. So those two factors together don't mix well. Yeah, um, I don't I don't think Andor was something that brought a lot of new subscribers to the platform. No. No. Um there weren't a lot of signups for for Andor. I think it was a lot of people like us that already were were looped in and were like, "Yeah, Star Wars, let's go." But it it didn't convince anyone to pluck down the now going to be $30 more expensive subscription. I think that goes up this Friday, actually. So if you're coming up on a renewal for Disney Plus, or even if you're not, you may want to auto renew at the $79.99 price today or tomorrow, because I believe Thursday or Friday it goes to the $110. Uh, so there's your public service announcement from the Star Wars Time Show trying to save you a few bucks so you can send them our way. Yeah. I mean, right. sign, sign it up. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, like overall, that's my thoughts. It's, it's a good show. Or, you other stuff in there. Go ahead. Compare it. Yeah, Do no, it. I mean, Do the comparison. Um, it's not my favorite show. It's it's top two or three f- for sure. Um, for me, probably top is Mandalorian just because you get to explore the, the universe through the eyes of a new character that's a part of a new faction that we've really, not really a new faction, but, but a longstanding faction that we've really not been able to explore before. And I think that season three is leading into a very interesting place. And then Kenobi, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Kenobi um, just because of the familiarity of the characters and, and everything like that. Um, so, I, you know, so Andor is probably two or three for me with one or two being one of those other ones and the, the other one being in the third. And slot. you're just you're just that's in a, a Star Wars show rating, right? Yeah. Not yeah. Like overall. No, Star not Wars overall. That, that, that's just shows. Okay. That's just shows for sure. Got you. Um, right. I think that this show is hard to sell to casual fans. Like I, I don't see well, a dude, reason. I mean, it, it proved itself hard to sell to diehards. Yeah. There are some of us that just never bought on. I don't know if like the mythos Boba's out there now that it's all out, if they can watch it all at once, if it will resonate. I, I, I doubt it, but yeah, you, I mean, you're not wrong. It It, it is, a critical darling, but it's, it's a hard one to, to sell to people that aren't goofy like myself. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, 
um, you know, critical success is often doesn't mean shit for Star not, Wars. We know that. Yeah, look at the Last Jedi. <laughs> it, it, I mean. it, it, if it's not a if it's a critical success and and the dollars aren't there to to back that critical success, then it ultimately, you yeah. know, doesn't help the case for like. Yeah, I mean, luckily, they're already shooting, so we're going to get season two regardless. I think Nick, what Nick is saying is it it may be a little cheapened down a bit. Uh, It might be some volume shots, and hopefully they utilize the volume more like the Mandalorian crew did uh, versus the Kenobi crew. Because Kenobi, as much as I like the series, it it is the cinematography is pretty poor at times like it's just it, it's not good yeah and, i mean there's it's definitely not the best in terms of the cinematography and i don't know if that's because of the volume work or how everything functions with that or like if if barbara felt or not barbara if deborah felt limited by like having to use that technology um yeah, i think so they I had think what they had the volume they had the back lot like most not even most icely but that town set and then i think they had the uh inquisitor base bits of it set but that was probably volume yeah a lot of volume and um, there for sure. what's his name the path people so yeah all right well all right in terms of how i felt about andor season one i mean I, it's excellent let's be real uh, it nick is 100 percent correct in terms of it's writing acting cinematography delivery pace whatever you want to say that makes you sound like you know what you're talking about it's primo like there's really no other star wars anything that touches the level of care and excellence that went into andor from top to bottom Uh, it does lack wow moments there's no doubt about it i mean yeah we can talk about there's some fucking kick-ass speeches but like nick said that's hard to sell to someone that's not a diehard that gets emotionally moved by star wars like a lot of us do uh, where, hey, this guy shows up at the end, it's going to fucking knock your socks off. Or, hey, there's a baby Yoda. All right, that that's something that a lot of people are like, fuck, I just want to go see what a baby Yoda looks like. They're not going to say, oh, man, Andy Serkis gave a fucking kick-ass speech that makes you cry now when he runs to the ledge and can't jump in. Okay, go change your tampon. You know what I mean? So I do understand the, the lack of wow. I, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. It's just something we're not used to in Star Wars. You're used to having those... Those moments where you're just like, holy shit, I didn't see that coming. I can't wait to talk to another Star Wars fan. While Andor had plenty of great scenes, moments, and the best written dialogue in all of Star Wars, not just the TV shows, it did lack those, as I called them, water cooler, let's all sit around and play with ourselves type of Star Wars moments. Um, in terms of an overall ranking, I'm, I'm kind of right with you, uh, except... I'm 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 gonna go Mando one and or two, uh, and that I didn't think I would feel this way going into the 2022 Star Wars TV show season. Uh, I mean, in fact, pull the fucking tapes. I was uh, I mean I went on record saying if Kenobi if done right will be the greatest thing ever produced. It's pretty damn good, but you know it it did lack a little polish here and there. So I do feel like. From end to end, Andor is an overall better series than Kenobi. But like Nick, I can't put it above Mando because Mando still just has that Star Wars magic 
which it's okay if every property doesn't have it because Rogue One doesn't either and it's a damn good movie. But Andor, the spawn of Rogue One, kind of the same feeling. It, it, it lacks that mystique, that aura that you get in the, you know, the, the, the Skywalker saga and Mandoverse Skywalker adjacent properties. So I, I'm kind of right in line with Nick, I, I, but I did enjoy it a bit more than... Uh, Kenobi and it was more for the the nuts and bolts stuff like I I just really appreciate the amount of effort and the quality of the production that Gilroy and his team produced it it really it it was excellent from top to bottom like I said the 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 best writing and the best acting in all of Star Wars and that's big I mean I, I I can't remember performances or speeches in any other Star Wars movie or show that hit as hard or were as delivered as expertly as we got in Andor. So I'm a, I'm a super fan. I love it. it, it it's going it, to, it's earned its place in star Wars history with me. It's already made rogue one 10 times better. Not that that was a bad movie. And I'm expecting Andor season two to put another layer of enhancement on your rogue one viewing experience. Cause it's literally going to deliver us, as he's walking out of the Masasi temple to get into hopefully his U-Wing to go meet with Tivik on the rings of Kafreen. So hoorah, Gilroy kicked ass. He paid off on all of his big promises. May the force be with us. All right. So let's go, let's go through and talk about some of the banger moments, right? Nick, there, there, there weren't, I I agree. There aren't like those, wow, you got to see this or you haven't lived star Wars yet, but there, there were still some high quality, top notch, memorable moments, speeches, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, monologues, so on and so forth. Um, real quick though, tones asks a good question. And I, I think I know the answer, but have you dipped into the new Willow at all yet? Because no. I have not. <laughs> no. Yeah, me neither. I I, I've noticed like a lot of people my age, there's kind of a like a triumvirate of Lucasfilm properties. It's Star Wars, indie, and Willow. Speaking of, I didn't even watch the fucking indie trailer, dude. Like I compl- that completely passed me by. Like I I saw like a something about it when I was on the fucking like on my vacation. And when I got home, I was just so busy that like, I just, it like didn't even ring a bell to me. It was bye-bye. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Like the, the Indy five, I mean, it is just a trailer. So we, we could still have him getting in refrigerators to yeah. survive nuclear bombs and whatnot and crystal aliens and, and all this fun shit. But I, I'm, I was, I was pleasantly surprised and, and I found the de-aging of Ford to be fucking amazing. Yeah. I just wonder how much they're going to rely on that gimmick versus having 80 year old Harrison on screen. And I think that, that they need to really finely balance that or it's just like, okay, well, why aren't we just watching a full on prequel? You know what? Why even drag the old man out? This this, but Hey, if anything, I mean, uh, again, who knows how long these DH scenes are going to be or how many minutes they'll be on screen. But if they are long and plenty, I mean, I think they've got a great reason to start de-aging Han Solo again, right? Kathleen said, we're never going to use new actors for legacy characters. So here we go. We got AI Darth Vader. That's already a thing. We got quasi-real AI Luke. So what's next? You might as well do the AI Han Solo, right? Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, I hope they don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, 
yeah, I, I honestly at this point I I really don't know what they're gonna do, but I hope they don't go to a like a hey our, at least our, our boy Alden Ehrenreich is is in that new kick ass crazy fucking movie that, that just got a trailer last week, Cocaine Bear. Okay. So that comes out next year. So Alden he might not be playing Young Hein anymore anymore, but he's in movies called Cocaine Bear. Yeah, hey. based on a true story. So fuck it, let's go. I think it looks kind of good. Um, all right, so let's kind of rattle off some top moments. If you're on the live stream, if you're not on the live stream, we do one every week, Tuesday, 2.30 p. East on YouTube, youtube.com slash Star Wars Time Show. I got a nice little graphic I put a lot of time and effort into so people can look at it and not just our dumb faces and my sweaty pits because I got a super tight shirt on today. I'm getting swole now that my body's getting back in peak condition. Look at that. Look, at that. I can make them dance again. The ladies love that. If there are any ladies watching this, um, but let's go ahead and go through a few top moments. Um, Nick, I kind of wrote these down. Obviously, if I miss any, go ahead and uh, and interject. Then we'll talk about top episodes, low episodes, and then we'll move on. We got some other great topics. Mando got some love last week. Jedi survivors getting love this week. The acolyte, friends. There's always time. All right. So here we go, Nick. And our season one top moments. Uh, these are not in order, but I think when we get through all of them, I'll go ahead and give you my personal favorite, but these are not in any particular order. Um, so up Nick, up first, or up Nick first. Mm. And this is kind of generic, but as a, as a sleuth and as a scholar of Star Wars, I, I'm giving Luthen Shop and all of its killer Easter eggs a top moment. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I just I, I like that the art department and, and, and the, the prop department, you know, kind of tricked Tony and slid that stuff in. And he actually appreciated after the fact when he saw it. Uh, and and, and it, I think it was the one thing that really helped to ground and tie Andor into the broader Star Wars franchise. Uh, because, you know, Tony, he, he had a mission. We're, we're not going to rely on the magic shit. And I, I'm, I applaud him for that. And I love what Andor became. But it was nice to get those those connections to we're talking prequels, Clone Wars, Rebels. It, it was a, it was just a nice inclusion to really visually cement all the through lines that go through Star Wars now, from era to era to era, from property to property to property. So, Luthen Shop and all of its killer Easter eggs is a top moment. Yeah, I agree. Okay, I'm going to stick with my boy here. One of my new favorite Star Wars characters of all time, Luthen Rael, a.k.a. according to Trevor, a fallen Jedi once trained by Count Dooku. Uh, but you got to put it up there, Nick. Luthen's space battle. I mean... That's probably it, the closest. It probably to... was it, exactly like you're saying. It's probably the closest we got to a like a jaw drop moment visually, at least. Okay. It, uh, I mean, it, it showed us his his slick piting skills. It showed us that the, his Fonder Hallcraft should be considered in the top five all time coolest Star Wars ships list. So yes, Luthen's space battle, and uh, I got a meme sent to us. <laughs> I think it was from Cluster Flux. And it was the space battle, but instead of his flechette, he deployed kind of like space balls, the jam, right? Do you remember when they, when they jam the signal in space balls and they literally shoot yeah. jam mm -hmm. onto it, the disc? I always like yeah. that. And it starts <laughs> leaking down the screen. Yeah. <laughs> I love stupid shit, man. Like yeah. stupid comedy is my favorite. 
Uh, all right, so Luth and Space Battle. I need to move this out of the way so I can see some uh, shots here. All right. Uh, this one, I don't think it resonated too well with Nick. So when I say this one, maybe he can spit one out. But I, I still, I know when I watch it again down the road, but Kino Loy's one-way out speech that then leads into the I can't swim moment, that's a banger. I mean, that that is one of the more, at least for me, it was one of the more emotional notes in Andor. All right? I mean, Circus's performance was fucking top-notch. The speech was great, chanting one way out, one way out. As they're all coalescing together, and they run out there, and, and they're all like, yeah, we're going to get out. And then you look back, where's where's Kino? Where's Kino? He just looks at you with that gloss on his face, the realization of, fuck, I'm dead. Like, yeah, here we go, guys. Got you out. My only problem with that is, like, what else are you going to do, dude? Like, what, what, like, what's your plan now? Like, you knew through the whole fucking thing that you're going to have to go in water. Like... Well, I think I think that I guess for me that shows his sacrifice for the rest of the men. Like, the, and, and that's but what the rebel movement like my was. My problem was he didn't even sacrifice himself. Jump in the water and die, you little bitch. Like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna sit there and you're gonna starve <laughs> to death? Like, Nick, jump Nick in has, the fucking I water. I hate Kino Loy gear. It's like I don't know. I it, it, it moved me. I, maybe because I'm an old man and you're still young and dumb and full of cum. I don't know, but it it, it, just it got like, me. Especially the, the second time I watch it, know it was gonna happen. I, I I get I tear up, dude. I I don't know what to tell you. I, I just don't <laughs> it like gets me. But like, there's no recourse, and also you have the ability to be saved by somebody if you jump in the water. Like somebody can help you. Like staying up there does nothing good for you. Hey. Lord Gilroy said we never saw him die and he, he will yeah, not he, he will not snow. He will, <laughs> <He's> snow. <laughs> that that is the best theory of all time. Snow. Like if they did that, that 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 would be the first time I would consider Star Wars jump the shark. Like <laughs> that that would be a full on jump the fucking shark yeah, moment. I, mean, like, I know for many of you it, it's jump the shark whenever Disney bought it, but that would be it for me. You can't make Kino Loy fucking Snoke. It makes zero sense. Like it just it's fucking stupid. The okay? character of All Snoke right. makes zero sense. So perfectly fits. <laughs> Dude, it's not Snoke. It's Palpatine and his <laughs> twisted uh, machines of the dark side. I mean, I like his speech, but like at the end when he's like, oh, my God, there's a pool of water below me. I guess I just have to stay here. It just doesn't make a lot uh, of hey, sense. It, oh, well, hey, we can we can agree <laughs> to disagree. Okay, next one, uh, uh, another one that Nick probably hates, but Luthen's speech in episode 10. Is that the I, one I'm with, not by kidding. the elevator? Yes. That's the, I, be- that's I am the best having, moment in the whole show. I am having my friend etch it into wood, and I'm going to hang it in SWTSHQ. That's how fucking great that speech is. Uh, you know, it, it wouldn't be as great if Stellan Skarsgård didn't deliver it the way he did. But even when you read it, like, I, I think I almost understand now why people read uh, religious books. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because when I read that, I get inspired. It, it makes me want to go fuck something up. Okay? It makes me want to be a better person. So Luthen's speech on sacrifice is, as Nick said, it was his favorite moment in all of Andor. And I agree. So there we go. I'll, I'll, I'll out myself there. That was... The best scene in Andor season one. Yeah. And it was just fucking dialogue. And I think that speaks volumes to, like we said, the, the, the quality of this production. 
Um, but yeah, it's just killer. I mean, I, 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 um, I contemplated putting Nemec's speech that we hear and or listening yeah. to in the mm-hmm. finale. Cause that, that was up there too. If you really read the words he's saying, those are also something that humans should read every fucking day, especially in these political climates around the world. Read what Nemec was telling everyone in, in our case, telling Andor, but just remember this try. That's all I'm going to leave you with. Okay. Up next. So both of us, our number one moment, without a doubt, Luthen speech. Um, I, I may even tattoo that shit on like the inside of my cheek. Mm-hmm. Just so I can be like, read this motherfucker. This is how I operate. <laughs> this is my motto. <laughs> okay. Um, next one is kind of a collection of moments, maybe. But the eye event, like the physical eye event in episode six and how it provided cover for the heist and the heist itself, like all that, how it came together at the end, I thought it was fantastic. I mean, it, it looked beautifully as one of the, the craziest visuals we've ever gotten in Star Wars, but it, it, it also just provided a kind of a great little end cap for the entire heist that was taking place in episode six. Uh, did you know, Nick, if it weren't for COVID, Tony planned to have, I think, like a thousand extras there for the eye ceremony? That I, I did not know that. That would have been really cool, though, to see like that amount of people there. And like, yeah, it like would, it his plan sell. was to have. Yeah, like it would sell it more as like a cultural, like a culturally significant moment um, right. because of like the total number of people there. But yeah, I understand like. But Why apparently the, the kind of the way they rewrote it was like, and, and it ended up being small was more like, well, this is just what the empire has done to this, these people. They've yeah. literally thinned them out to this point where you're only getting 60 left yeah. to come make the pilgrimage. But really all that, just the, the I event and the heist, fantastic stuff. All right. Th- this is definitely not a m- moment. It's a, it's a character progression, I guess. But I, I do appreciate how Dedra was written. Her arc went from, at least to me, she early on, even though we knew she was a piece of shit and she was in the Empire and she was in the shittiest part of the Empire, the ISB, I had sympathy for her because, you know, she wasn't getting the respect at the ISB. No one believed her, even though she was coming up with the right theories. But then her she once she does get that little victory and starts to nibble on some power... She really embraces the Empire's fascism with a capital F to the point where she's, you know, mentally torturing Bix and breaking her down, uh, letting people get executed, and really just kind of causing the people of Ferrix uh, a little bit of, of pain and grief. So as a, as a comprehensive moment, Nick, I, I really enjoyed Dedra's arc from start to finish. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. She's definitely had shown... Of the characters that we've seen so far, she's shown the most character growth out of all of them. I mean, you could argue that that Cassian is the other yeah, one. Yeah, I'd that say has he, he's in that most. conversation for sure. Yeah, yeah. like it, it's definitely between him and, and Dedra. Um, hey, real quick, yeah. since you weren't here last week, I got I got two things for you on Dedra. One, do you feel like the finale episode was a mirror of episode three, but on a grander scale? So she essentially mirrored Cyril's failures with Cassian, right? Because she, she set all this up. She approved the funeral. It was supposed to be a big trap to get Cassian and hopefully Axis, a.k.a. Luthen. They were both there. 
Yet, just like when Cyril and, you know, his, the, the Morlana one Corpo guards, they had them. They had the upper hand. They had more forces. But in the end, they end up looking like fools and the good guys get away and the Empire's left kind of holding their junk. Do you did you see that parallel at all or no? Am I crazy? Uh, yeah. And I mean, like, I think that's why he had they, you know, he as in Tony had those two in there in the show together in that little room of failure yeah. that little closet she, she essentially did the same thing he did but on a grander scale yeah. so the follow-up is what is the fallout for dedra in season two does she get kicked out of the isb does she get demoted does she lose the power that she recently gained i definitely think that she's going to be reprimanded and probably lose the sectors that she was given from that other guy earlier in the season okay. like when they were like oh yeah these are your sectors and she's gonna like She's basically going to be like a an afterthought now in the ISB, even if she's even still a part of it. Um, I think the big like the big theme for me for that was is like you had prepared or like you had preparedness, but you had no plan. Like you were prepared for something as the Empire, but you had no plan to actually get Cassian. Like you did, you never even had eyes on him that entire time. Like you just, I mean, outside of the, that shithead guy that tried to rat him out. They, I don't think an an Imperial saw him once. Yeah. No Imperial even saw him. (laughs) So like you came in with this, this like pomp and circumstance and you were prepared for it, but you had no plan. You were just like, put a fucking shitload of people here and grab them if you see them. You right. didn't get you, some snipers out there. Yeah. Like you had no plan to actually but don't shoot. I want him alive, but don't shoot. Yeah. So, so it was, it was All not right. a very, I mean like, so I hope that they bring that up in season two when they're talking about like the, essentially the after action report from all this, because right. that was the problem. It's like she put a shitload of people there, but she had no plan for actually even finding Cassie and Andor. Like, See, that, just, that's why I, I was wondering, because you saw what the Empire did with the, 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 the pre-locks Morlana security. They're like, you guys failed, you lose, you're gone. You're all yeah. fired, we're taking over. So that's why I'm wondering, does, does the Empire do the same thing to her? Like, you failed, you lose, you're gone. And, and then it's just her and Cyril on their own in season two. Or, like you said, and, and some other people, she gets demoted, a few demerits here and there. But don't you feel like her and Cyril have to be connected at this point? So does she bring him in as like her errand boy or lieutenant or does she keep him on the outside kind of like her 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 man on the street? I yeah, no, he's definitely she's like one. She is not going to have the authority to bring anybody inside of the ISB at this point. She's going to be if she's still a part of the ISB, she will be on the fringe if if there at all. Got you. So like he is going to be. Her informant is like probably the best way that I could put it. Like how how detectives have informants on the street for, you know, drug deals and stuff like that. He I imagine that he will become something like that. Yeah, I just I I feel like at this point they they're inseparable. I mean, I'm not getting into the whole shipping of that. I mean, I I think ultimately she there might have been a spark or two after she realized that she he wasn't trying to kill her and that he saved her. Yeah. But I think she definitely still thinks he's creepy, but he he earned some brownie points. Yeah, definitely. In in the finale for sure. I mean, the guy we talked about last week, Nick, what'd he do? He he chose hoes over bros. He left 
Tubby there on the steps. We saw him after drinking. after all the action went down. He's just sitting there drinking booze, <laughs> like yeah. like Jar Jar Binks on on the fucking streets, entertaining you know homeless children. So um, yeah, I don't. I, I I'm I'm very interested because I you know we 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 can kind of figure where Andor and all that stuff's going. I mean, it's going to skip about a year's time. He'll be ingrained in in Luthen's movement at this point. He'll probably be going out trying to recruit cells into the overall alliance but but Dedra and Cyril it's like okay what how do they pick up from that failure her failure and I don't know that that it, it interests me yeah uh, these two weirdos interest me mostly because of Dedra uh, but even creepy Cyril like I'm, I'm not as down on him as you are because I think the dude playing <laughs> plays a fantastic creep no, like yeah, he, he does. Just, he does play a good creep. Just like um, creepiest. Like, you just, you, don't you feel like at any moment Cyril could just like reach over and slit someone's throat? Though, like he's that kind of. That's why I said that at first. I was like, he's an incel creep who's obsessed with this woman. But nobody wanted to say that. Like nobody <laughs> wanted to say that when I said it. But yes. I still think he's obsessed with Cassian. But like through her, he sees like. We can we can take this the bane of our existence down together. I guess I don't know, but now yeah, I mean they they definitely had googly eyes in that closet or whatever. Yeah, well, her because he just saved her life, and that's trauma bonding that's happening in that moment. And him, he's pro- he's like finally I get my hands on her. Like, that is that is how Sarah would 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 score a date trauma yeah. bonding. I like that. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't even know that was a thing, but yes. that is that would be his his that dating is 100% scene. One hundred percent a thing. Trauma look, look it up. Look it up. Trauma bonding with Cyril Karn. Here we go. It's better than speed dating. Yeah. Uh, all right, man. You gotta love the guy. Hey, you'll be happy to hear Cyril Karn was the first shot of season two. So there you go. He uh, he was first to film according I, to like, our Lord and Savior. And the thing is, is like I said that their story, like him and Mothma's storyline, stagnated in season one. And I didn't. It, it's not like I wanted them to stagnate. They just did. And like I want him to be able to take that character and develop it into something that is actually useful in a season, and not just like kind of hanging around on the fringes waiting to be used. Like I wish that there was more character development and movement on him in season one. So I really do hope that in season two, he turns out to play a bigger role than what he did in season one. I, I, I think Trevor and uh, Press Pause were kind of on to something with him almost being a linchpin for Luthen's demise. I'm kind of into that, as well as the, you know, Cyril's almost the, the, the foil of Andor. Like he's the the failed version of, of Andor. You know, Andor is our our hero freedom fighter that, that, you know, struggles and finds his way where Cyril is just this turd bag who wants opposite things, but, you know, kind of lives a parallel life. He's got this mom, but the different, the relationship's different. That's what a foil is. Like everything's different. You're the opposite of white and black, that type of stuff. But we'll see. I don't know. I, I do think, uh, Serial should get a, a, a bigger push in, in season two. I, I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. I just want to, you know, we'll get some t-shirts made. Although, I don't know, maybe Adrian, I don't know if he listens to us anymore. He stopped tagging us in posts, so I must have said something to piss him off. <laughs> uh, but you never know. Adrian, we love you. Let's make us some shirts. All right, let's get back to some of our, we got, uh, I got, I think, four more top moments on my list here. Uh, Marva's fuck the empire speech. All right. I mean, everything about it, the 
how did you did, did you dig the fucking band or were you like some people that that fucking hated the tune because i that band tune is something i want on loop like anytime i go out in public i want that playing behind me i i, I mean if i'm gonna be honest with you like it was good background music but it, i didn't like i, I wasn't <laughs> like it wasn't something that it, like, like how it comes together. Like they come from different alleys and it all blends together. Then they get in the circle and they start the stone and sky, stone and sky, stone and sky. Like I like that type of shit. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, mean, in the end, Star Wars is my religion. Like I, I don't I don't go to a church. I when my, my kid asks me questions. I don't talk about Jesus and God. I'm like the force. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do, I do what I, Jedi would do. I mean, that, it, that's how I'm handling religion in my house. Yeah, I mean, it did. A, it did a good job i mean it was a good song but like i I don't think that that was like a like necessarily like a standout moment for me but it was like a good tune that played behind yeah i I just like everything about like the lead up when they all get into rick's road and they all are marching in line b2's leading them they get in the circle stone and sky stone and sky and then obviously her speech was fucking fantastic i mean it's up there with the luthan the kino and the nemec i mean marva is in that 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 um, conversation i guess the mount rushmore of fantastic and or speeches from fake characters. Um, but it's, you know, it, it was, it was a great speech. I mean, and again, it, it's something I think even in modern times, people should listen to what she was saying applies to real life. Like, listen, I used to be a freedom fighter. Even I got a little lazy and slept and, and look, the empire, they're like rust. They get in everything and they expand and destroy and corrupt and, you know, by the end, she's just building it up to a boil. And then it's, you know, fuck the empire. And there they kick over B2 and, you know, uh, Brasso uses her brick to kill somebody. I think she would have loved all that stuff. So that's a strong um, ass brick. So like, hit, yeah, hits, I know that like I, I the thought it right in the helmet. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. I thought it would have like cracked or something. But yeah. Do you feel do you feel Cassian, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to pick up on some things from last week with you because we, we, we didn't catch up. But do you feel was Marva's speech what pushed Cassian, Cassian over the edge to make his ple- his his blood debt to Luthen? Or do you think he was already at that point before her speech? I think he was already at that point, honestly, um, especially like the moments with Melshi when they escaped the, the prison um, I think that was really the solidifying moment for him and his like, I am, I'm truly a rebel now, or he's, he's dedicated to the cause, how, however he would put it. But I also think that like, he never heard his mother speak in such explicit terms about the, the empire and about oppression right. throughout the galaxy so I think that that was definitely like a galvanizing moment as in like, okay, yeah, like I definitely made the right choice, but yeah, okay. even without that, I think he still would have pursued, um, he would have still pursued Luthen to like dedicate himself to the cost regardless. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's very clear where Cassian started to change. It started with the prison, the prison yeah. in that situation opened his eyes like these people are right. This isn't a galaxy that I can just live and keep running in and, and expect to live a good life. I mean, the, the empire's choking us all to death and, and that helped. And then, you know, learning about his mom passing that helped. And I even think if you remember the, the, you know, Brasso meeting him in the sewer and telling him her final words where she's like, listen, Cassian, 
you know, he's got great character. And once he realizes his potential, those two together, he'll become an unstoppable force for good. And, you know, that that was, you know, he's just like, yes, yes, yes. And then I think you're right here in the speech was just like, all right, I was heading this way. Mama just confirmed it for me. Let's do it. I'm yeah. going down like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going down with a fight <laughs> and, and for purpose versus just being a selfish shithead trying to get some credits and, and always being on the run. Yeah, I agree with uh, that. All right. This is more of a, a catch-all, but, but B2 in general just kicked ass, makes the top moment list, and I'll be the first one to apologize for talking so much shit about mm-hmm. little B2 emo before I even got to meet him. Uh, that, that's a, a mistake a lot of us make these days. You know, we open our fat mouths before we truly get to know a person or a robot in this case. And uh, I am regretful for some of the shit talking I laid down on that little guy back in June when we first saw him at uh, was that celebration or wherever he was at. So I really think B2 pulled through and he's up there in the best Star Wars droids list of all time. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And I, I do hope that they use him in the B2, not the B2, but the K2 you know, situation. Like, I don't know what Tony's plans are around K2 at the moment, but I do think that it would be largely beneficial to the series and, and like that character development to actually have B2 in K2 either. Oh, I, dude, you, you know, I'm stumping for that. Cause yeah. I, I, I was one of the original people to put that out there, but I, I am, I, I will say we're going to have to lean heavily on your theory that, you know, droids can almost mature themselves because after watching Rogue One two times since the end of Andor, I, I still see a little bit of B2 in, but, but K2 is definitely a little more snark infused than, yeah. than you would have got from B2. And I'm sure that like, you know, it's a droid. So by nature, it has programming built into it. So I don't know if, if it was like, if B2 was programmed to be like this persistent little brother or if that's just kind of like how he ended up being. But I feel like if you do make the move to put B2 and K2 together, then you could just be like, Hey, can you like age him up 10 years or something like that? Can you make him like, instead of like a, like a 15 year old or a 14 year old can make him like a 24 year old, (laughs) like where he's a little bit more. I just, like Bat's saying, it just, it, it makes two cents. Like it, it's, it's, it's there. And, and maybe that's why it won't happen. Cause apparently Tony isn't into that type of shit. But to me, it just makes two, two cents. All right. I, I, I had a feeling this was going to pop up from Trevor and th- this one's for you. Cause mm-hmm. I, I fought him last time during Kenobi. Uh, but I, I think he missed when I said, well, it was like, like Kenobi, the empire's just incompetent. But, but Trevor here, I knew, I knew you'd get him on this one. He says, how can you have complaints about the Empire just watching an inflammatory speech? All the stupid Imperial non-defense in Kenobi, they sat around while two speeders came into and shot up a fortified base. It's, it's, That's why I said the Empire's incompetent. There, I took care of that argument. I mean, it's 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 not incompetence. It's just but you're this, not, this is Nick's fight, so go. Yeah, it, you're not taking it, you're not taking advantage of your of your set piece. I'm not even talking about in-world shit here. I'm talking about you you took more than half of your episode to build up to a set piece and you fail to execute on it. Like you inherently fail to execute on your biggest opportunity to show the empire as the villains that we all know them as. And 
we 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 already meme about the incompetence of the of the empire. It's always it's already a meme. So you're not even doing anything different. Like you fundamentally fail to show why the empire is the evil hated organization that it should be in the moment that you built it up to be. Like it was just it was a failure all around. And it was even a failure in comparison to what we've seen in real life. Like it would be different if I could look at protests that happened in America and they all went very peacefully. And even against the push of protesters, police just stood there and did nothing. But I watched people get shot in, in you know, get shot and killed in, in the streets of our own country. Like, so you're not even making a commentary point on what's happening in our world. Like, you're just, you just missed it. You just swung and missed that moment like that's my problem with it is like if i can see like people that i've sat at a bar with get shot with non-lethal bullets and like lose the like the ability to use their their the bottom half of their body and like the empire just stands there like it's just it's it's not even like a meme on the incompetence thing it's just a missed opportunity and that's that's my feelings about it. All right. Where you go. Nick does it a little more professionally than I do. I'd usually yell at you by name and get all worked <laughs> up and make my armpits sweat. So Trevor, there there, stew on that. Like I said, I'm out of this one. This is between you and Nick. I didn't I didn't say it. Don't yell at me. <laughs> I mean that's like and and like Trevor's allowed to have his like his opinion on it. And I think that that they did, you know, and he's like, but they did open fire. It's like, yeah, they opened fire after they threw a bomb and after they had already pushed through their lines and after they had sat there and let them hit on them for fucking 40 minutes or however long it was like you are, you're trying to, to show the, the deadliness and the ruthlessness of an imperial body after a speech by a woman who literally says, Fight the empire openly because they are a destructive force that is out to kill you. And what does the empire do as that speech is going on and everybody is throwing things at them and hitting them? They do the exact opposite of what uh, the the speech was saying. So like you, it, it almost like is sort of discrediting to what Marva is saying. Like Marva is saying these are feral beasts who have no more love for you than they do for a piece of dirt on the ground. And then as the entire crowd is surging and in, in, in like, you know, starting to attack them, they just stand there and do nothing like it. it and it's, it, it's not, a, it's not because Dedra said, don't shoot Cassian because they don't even see Cassian. So they're the, the, the order to not, shoot Cassian has no bearance on an area where where you don't even see Cassian. Cassian was never seen by an Imperial in that entire show, like, or an enti- in that entire episode. So, like, they're not holding off fire because Cassian Andor is there. They're holding off fire for no reason. And like I said, that's my opinion on things. Like, this is, this is how I I feel about it, and I feel like that it is a missed opportunity. And if, if Tony's reason was, well, they didn't shoot because they're incompetent and that's the meme, right? Ha ha. Imperial incompetence, like just doesn't, 
jive with the whole like, All right. well, series. Hey, I, I think so. you you explained yourself well. Like I said, I'm not I'm not getting down into these weeds today. I'm I'm taking the high road. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's all uh, good, man. That, that's that's why we love we love having people in the comments section. So so bring it. it. It gives us stuff to talk about. Listen, Nick handles it way better than I do. I was just glad it was Nick today and not me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean like, right. that's just my perspective on it. Like yeah, I thought of it course was a it is. Of course it is. Hey, like I said, it's it's it, it. Not a lot of people are all right with opinions on anything these days, right, Nick? So sometimes you gotta. You got to lay your out there and defend it, and then it is what it is. Yeah. All right. We good here? Yeah. What's so? Where are we moving into the the low? The I, I, lows? No, I got I got I got a couple more couple more moments. Okay. Tops here. Well, I, I talked about the funeral march that that counts. Uh, we'll, we'll go with the, really one of the last scenes or the last scene. The you know, kill me or take me in blood oath that, that Cassian gives, you know, that kind of brought the character full circle from episode one where he was a, you know, shithead out there killing people, owing people money, always on the run, you know, even around Ferrix, you could tell, you know, people liked him, but they knew he was, he was shady. And then by the end, he has come full circle and realizes, you know what, I've, I've been wasting my life. I'm a selfish ass. I'm going to go ahead and save my friends. Cause a, I'm the reason they're all fucked up right now. And B, I'm a better person than I was when I left here in episode seven. So um, I, I just, I, I, it was a nice kind of <clears throat> nail in the coffin on, on Cassian's journey from shithead to committed freedom fighter. And, you know, anytime there's a scene with Stellan, it's usually top notch. And you, you just had to like the way Luthen kind of... <laughs> reacted to all that like hey you're, you're a hard motherfucker to kill and cassian just kind of laying down the gauntlet like all right bro well here you go i'm i'm at the point now where i would rather be dead than uh, be dead and not fight against the empire than uh than uh be the person that i was so uh, I, I i i dug that moment for for cassian and it, and it did it did the job of what season one was supposed to do which was to move him from the low life to the guy we see in in Rogue One. So now season two, it's just all going to be, you know, Cassian with the good guys probably going out and building other relationships, working with other cells, bringing them in, uh, working uh, relationships with Tivik and Saul's group and all that stuff. So I'll end on that for the top moment. The, the, the final moment is our final top moment. Kill me or take me in. What did you think about the the blood oath? Was it more was it more or less like, listen, man, I I've realized like I'm better off being dead the way the galaxy is now than than who I was. So either kill me or I'm ready to start fighting with you because fuck these guys. Yeah, I think it is like a true like the turning point had already happened, but now it's like an official thing because the turning point realistically before that had only happened in Cassian's head. Like he was like. Right. Yeah, no, no to, one else knew yet yeah. that he was ready to commit. Yeah. But like, because of that, like because of, because of his oath that he made to, um, to Luthen, like now he's in it, it. It is like the, I don't want to say it's like the gang initiation, but it's like, it, 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 it is. is kind of like that. It's that initiation yeah. moment where it's like, now there is no turning back before that yeah. moment. He could have still said like, you know what, after seeing what happened, uh, you know, over here and like, 
stuff like that. I, I'm actually going to sit it out and I'll just go back to fucking Beach World and, and chill out. But, yeah, and running but, from Luthen trying to ki- yeah. kill me. Because you remember, yeah. he spots him at, at the, the Ferrix thing. And, he, and that's when he realizes, like, shit, these fuckers want to kill me too. Yeah. So, you know, he, he, he made that choice. Like, all right, I'll show him how serious I am. I was like, you can kill me because you want to. Or I can join you, which I'm pretty sure that's what you wanted in the end anyways. Like, you always wanted me for a reason. I don't think it Do you think Luthen just wanted him for Aldani? Or do you think he... He did have a longer game for Cassian. In the moment, I think he only wanted him for Aldani. I think that I, I think, think what right. really switched the flip for for Luthen was knowing what Cassian's mother stood for. Like that that yeah. speech by Marva really did more for Luthen than it did for Cassian because Luthen up so. until that moment was like, "I'm gonna ice this motherfucker if I see him." Like I don't really care. Like right. he, it seems like. You know, like, yeah, he did what he needed to do on Aldani and he got the job done, but he's just as disposable as anybody else. Like, he's no, right. he's no, uh, you know, Saw Guerrero. Like, he's just the guy. But then when he saw, like, the conviction from his mother, from, from Marva, and, the, like, he saw what could potentially be inside of Cassian as well. Well, and the fact that they'd been trying to kill him for months, could never find them. And when they did track him down, they still couldn't fucking kill him. So I think he realized like, you know what, this guy, I always knew he had skills, but damn, he's got the exact skills that we need. So let's go ahead and bring this asset in. I mean, that that's, he was smart. That was a good smile. Like Luthen is happy that Cassian is with him now. I mean, that, that, that's like getting an ace in the hole. Uh, you know, he, he's right up there with the Vels and the, and the Synthas and all that. I mean, Cassian is the guy and he's going to become the dude. Yeah. All right. So, um, yeah, top overall moment then for both of us, the Luthan speech on sacrifice. I think that's safe to say, right? Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, worst moments. I, I don't, that's hard to say in Andor. Cause I don't really feel like there was anything that was just truly bad or like ugh, Vespa type of shit. Uh, but I, I, I do have a couple notes here and Nick, I'll, I'll see what you got. Um, I, I, I put the odd rock, rock ballad at the end of episode two. All right. It doesn't really ruin anything, but it just, it seems w- way out of character for, the series up until that point and even beyond, like you, you didn't get any more riffs like that for the rest of Andor. So it just, it, it just seemed out of place. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, it's, it's literally the end of the episode. He's walking through the Ferrick scrapyard and it's just like, it's like, all right, okay. We had like these nice orchestral chords up until then. And now we got a, a rock ballad coming in here. And then the other one is I mean, I guess it's not officially put to bed, but the unexplained CIS symbol on the supposed Republic soldier bodies from the Canary flashback. Like, I don't, I don't know where, how you get back to that, Nick. Like, there's really yeah. no reason in season two to even get back to this at this point. And so is it just, it is what it is? Is yeah. it a plot hole? I mean, does Tony have designs for it? It's just odd. Yeah, I mean, I, I also have a feeling similar to that about the sister storyline, and I'll bring that up in a, in a minute, like, after we talk about this. But, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know if that was just something that, like, like maybe that was one of the moments that the art department, like, really did kind of come in and try to slip in a, a little flat, like, a not a flashback, but, like, a slip in, like, a little Easter egg, but then couldn't pay off on it in any way later. Like, 
Because well, that right. I'm 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 just hung up on the fact that Marva and Clem referred to the dead soldiers as Republic. Yeah, and I yes, mean, they did say you got to get out of here. The Republic's coming. So, like, what what are we talking about? Like that yeah. just. I mean, that's an like to me. That's an like Tony is responsible for the dialogue. So, like, he definitely yeah. either wrote or approved that, but Tony had little to nothing to do with that costume. So I think what the problem was is there is a disconnect between what they were doing with this costume and then what was going on in the actual like spoken words of that. Yeah. Of that. No, line. I agree. So. But it, in universe, it creates a plot hole at this point in time because it just, it doesn't make sense either. Either there's more to it or like you said, there was just a, a fuck up yeah. where they, they, they included the wrong logo. And I, I don't know how that that makes it, especially in such a highly detailed and well-produced series. Like, how does that make yeah. it to the audience? I think like and then so now I'll kind of touch on the sister thing, um, because that's another storyline that I feel like they were. I don't know what the designs for that are for season two, but given how little like how many times it was brought up which was enough for people to remember and how little they actually forwarded that plot line. I feel like you could have logically just held that for season two because there was so much going on in season one that we didn't need this like orphan plot line about this sister just hanging around there. That's getting no attention. And I feel like now they're going to have to loop back to it in season two in some way and like be like, Oh yeah, you remember earlier in whenever I was talking about my lost sister or that came up a couple of times, it would have just been better to hold that shit, have the audience know that Cassian has a sister from the scenes on Canary and then just move past it and, and then approach that as a primary season two storyline, because like having it as like this phantom plot line that like popped up every now and then in season one was actually like, just, I don't want to say it was distracting, but like it didn't, it didn't further anything in any way. Yeah, I just, I don't know. It just, I, I'm, I'm of the thinking that y- you could completely ignore it from here on out. I mean, yeah, season like, two, if you think about the accelerated pace, it's got to cover damn near three and a half, four years. Are you really going to spend three episodes on flashbacks again and, and looking for sisters? Or is it, like I said, are we going to get the whammy where we realize that someone we've known or seen in this, this series is his sister. Yeah. I mean, like if it uh, turns out that like, I I'm lightly I hanging on my, 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 my Dedra pick, but yeah. that, you know, I, I don't think that's going to be the case, but I'm not going to completely kill that. Yeah. I mean, if, if that ends up being the case, then I guess it was, I mean, I guess it serves some purpose in season two, just to like, or season one to like start speculation. But if it, if it literally is like, he has to go find his sister, then like the, the opening plot thread being in season one seems a little unnecessary. Like it, that could have waited until you. I, I, I mean, again, that, I think that's why it's on my one of my. I hate to say it, the worst moment. It just, it, it's kind of like yeah, all right. There we had three episodes of flashbacks, and we got to mention the sister in episode seven, and then here we go. And I, I really don't think there there's a lot of time afforded for this in season two at least the way i'm thinking at this point in time i would figure season two is mainly let's really work towards the marshalling of forces on yavin because that's what tony has said like they we are literally going to end episode 12 
with what it sounds like watching Cassian walk out of the temple to get ready to start the mission to go meet Tivik on on uh Kafreen. Yeah. Here's one one six shooter is is being ever so antagonistic today. I love it. I think you guys are giving too much credit to the art department being able to do what they want. I can only I mean, tell you what Tony fucking what Gilroy Tony has said, said in, in interviews. So, yeah. like, I know you think we're making shit up, my man, but he's literally on record saying, oh, I love what they did. I, I was surprised to hear about all these Easter eggs. So, yeah, I mean, you can take that unless like he's unless he's full of shit, then it is. It, it, uh, we're just telling you exactly what he has said in interviews. So yeah. um, it, it, you take it however you want. Yeah, um, I mean, but I, I do, I, I do like the, uh, I mean like the, uh, the other op, like the other option is that like he talked a big game about not putting anything in and he just fucking straight up lied to us. I mean, that's the other option. If you want to look at it that way, that's fine. But like, either like somebody, I don't think Tony, Tony didn't write any of those Easter eggs in the prop department's like, Hey, we need an antiquity shop. All right, here we go. We'll fucking put in some Wookiee shields, Mando armor, the, you know, Star Killer armor. Tony don't fucking know. He doesn't know shit. He just needs antiquities. So yeah. So I mean, like that again. Like that's uh, just purely based off of what he has said. So like, right. I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you want to look at that any other way. All right. Um, episodes then. So that. So do do you have any other least favorite moments? No, I think that about covers it. Um, yeah. I mean, I th- like. I guess my. It's again like this show isn't about moments to me because like they're they're really like it's about like sequences and, and character okay, development well, and stuff any, like any that. Any shitty sequences or shitty character I, development? Like, I, I, I do think that those sequences with with um, Cyril and his mother stretched out a little bit longer than they needed to. I mean, I know that they were trying to establish that he's just kind of like this loser guy who's you know got to live with his mom now that he lost his job. I do feel like. The, the stall there went on a little bit too long. I feel like you could have probably cut one or two scenes with just the mom and him eating cereal. And like, yeah. you know, that, that kind of hung around a little bit too long. But other than that, I think, I think that. Do you, do you think his mom gets Uncle Harlow after him after he <laughs> stole her credits to, to go to Ferrix to find his lady love? Depending on who Uncle Harlow is, it's very possible. <laughs> like, yeah, like, like, I mean, if Harlow's Uncle Harlow start actually is, yeah, like if he actually is like some <laughs> sort of like underworld guy, then he, he hey, may have his head. uncle on his ass. You owe your mom some credits. Quack, quack. Break his legs. Dedra, I need you. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's let's get into episodes then. Top and or top episode. All right. So top episode for me. I kind of cheated. I put two, but I, I'm, I'm going to go with in my gut the top and that's going to be one way out, which is S1 E10. Uh, that, that's where you get the, the one way out speech that Nick hates because of the way it ends. And then that's where you get the excellent Luthan sacrifice speech. Uh, th- that to me, just that that episode was the first episode to get me emotionally uh, engaged with Andor by um, through those through those bits of dialogue, and I, I guess honorable mention, Nick. I'll go ahead and throw down the I, which would have been S one E six. Yeah, uh, the actual heist part of the heist arc. Yeah, I I I do think that six is probably my favorite. So the I, the one that comes in as your second place, um, because I do think from start to finish that that one was. That was really the first time in this series where we're like, we get what he was going after. Like we get that, like we get that arc of like 
three like a two episode build and the third episode like finishes that off with a big crescendo. Totally. Um, I think it executed it well. I think in that episode you had some of the best special effects so far because of the uh the meteor the shower storm that's coming mm-hmm. over and the eye part of it. Um there was good dramatic tension building through the episode, but it also didn't feel like there was like like half of the episode was taken up by the by the lead into what was happening, kind of like what we got in the finale. Um, and it was the first episode too to be like, look, when shit like this happens, people die and you have to deal with that. Like people are going to get caught. People are going to go down. Shit's not going to work out the way that you planned it to. And like, and you have to adjust and you have to make changes. And then at the end too, the episode or not the, the episode, but the, the scene with, with Skeen and like all of that, like, I think that that one was probably the best individual episode of the series, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, like like I said, I cheated. I, I mean, they're right there, one one a to me. And and as you said, the, the the funny thing is, or the similar thing is, they are the tail end of excellent three episode arcs. I mean, yeah. uh, one way out is the end of eight, nine, and ten, which is the whole Narkina arc, uh, where eight was slow. I mean, actually, when we get into our least rad episodes, as I called it, eight makes it. Um, but there, you know, it's like four, but four didn't feel as slow as, as eight to me, uh, the eight, nine, 10 really didn't get super engaging and tense until nine, 10, where four, five, and six, as Nick said, was probably the perfect example of Tony's three episode arc format of storytelling. Yeah. I agree with that. All sure. right. So yeah, might as well just get right in the least rad episodes. Again, I cheated. I had episode seven announcement or episode eight Narkina five uh, announcement. I, I you know I I loved the dialogue and and how the Empire kind of processed getting punched in the face, but overall it was kind of like a know nothing episode. You know, this is one where Cassian goes home and tries to convince Marva to leave, and you know by the end he's I'm just a tourist. I'm just a tourist getting locked up on. Uh, Neomos. It, it was the first episode out of the six we'd previously seen where I was just like, all right, you know, good TV, but man, that is just kind of like whoop, through the whole thing, you know, just kind of like, eh, yeah, slow and steady. I, I, I do agree with you on those two. Um, and I kind of lean the same direction as you, at least in Narkina five, you get the introduction of, uh, of, you know, Kino Loy and the other people that are in Saul, the prison. Saul makes Saul's, his first appearance yeah, in that. Saul's appearances in there. So like, so you like, you had a couple of, of like, you know, better moments in there, but the announcement was just like overall, like kind of a, a flat episode. Um, totally. I mean, I it don't, was like the middle point. Hey, we're just going to take a pause and reset and start up. Yeah, the, 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 the kind of like the final storylines here. The the only thing in episode seven that really makes it like interesting is that's the first one where we find out that Luthen is trying to off Cassian, I believe, because that's when Clea yes yep. meets with Vel, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh wow, they're yep. trying to like kill this motherfucker. Um, but overall, like aside from that that moment uh that that episode was very flat at least in narkina like you get to you get introduced to the prison you get introduced to kino and the rest of the gang and that's where you meet melshi for the first time and and stuff like that so um 
there were some better moments in there. So yeah, I think the announcement was was yeah. Weak. Seven takes it. I yeah. agree. I like I like how we kind of parsed that out and figured it out live. So yeah, best best episode. Sounds like we're going with the I. If you want to take a combined rating in worst episode announcement. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, my friends, that is the end of our Andor S1 retrospective. But like I said, we're not done talking Andor yet. Next week, I have another special topic planned. If I can convince Nick to at least watch the the end of Rogue One, at least when they're <laughs> around the battle table there on on Yavin, uh, because I you know I took I took some notes and and I think there's some characters that hopefully we meet in season two that kind of do what season one did for Cassian and that like, okay, I, I understand who you are now. I understand your, your viewpoint, your opinions and why you would not want to fight the empire. So on and so forth. Cause you remember in rogue one, a lot of the uh, senators around that council table were very anti-war. Uh, they, they did not want Jin to do what they end up doing. And it, it really kind of took Jin doing it. And then Radis saying, Hey, fuck you guys. I'm, let's go. For, for the council to be like, all right, let's do it. And even Mothma gives a look to Bale like, ha ha, yeah. she did it. That's kind of what we wanted her to do because you and I couldn't convince these other pussies to fight, but she did it for us. Go get Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> uh, so there, there's, like I said, I, I think we got, you know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes to talk about some of these characters. I, I've been researching their names. I'm going to have some images. Uh, so I got, got a special one planned for you next week. But now we have to get rest uh, through the rest of the damn show, and there's actually some stuff to talk about, some good stuff, some pertinent, legit, straight out of Lucasfilm's bunghole type of news. And that starts with a quick one, not one that we got to spend a ton of time on here. And that's the fact, my friend, we got the Mandalorian Season 3 release date finally. And just like all things new Star Wars, they missed their window. Mm-hmm. Okay? So. Remember over the summer, Favreau and Filoni, our original Lord and Saviors of the Star Wars universe, said we should expect Mando season three in February. Uh, Making Star Wars came out there. They said February 22nd and Lucasfilm came out last week at CCXP and said, fuck all of you. We're dropping it March 1st, 2023. (laughs) So that is the release date for Mando. Um, You know. They're close, right? They're they're a month off, but it is funny that these motherfuckers can't hit their dates anymore. They used to be perfect with it for the first two seasons of Mando. Now it's like, hey, we'll we'll throw a date out there and I think we'll change it if we have to. Yeah, I think it's because during season one and season two of Mando, you really didn't have any other live action production going on on this on like the Star Wars side of things. So you could solely focus on that. But now that you have like you had Kenobi filming, then you had Andor filming, then you had book, book filming, then you had uh, Mando filming. So it's a lot more moving pieces around there. So maybe that's like causing some disrupt. I mean, Ahsoka f- is like in production as well. So like you have a lot more moving pieces. So maybe that's like causing. Yeah, some I, I agree. But I just know I know that producers are paid a ton of fucking money and you'd think they'd be able to figure out schedules and, and planning better than they have been. I mean, Andor had the shift. Bad Batch has had the shift. Is Bad Batch really even going to come out on January 4th at this point? I mean, yeah, it's I mean, like <laughs> they, they've kind of slept on that. I mean, January 4th is less than four weeks away and there, there's, there's no hubbub going on. There's no there hasn't been a new trailer or anything shown. So, you know, there's a rumor we're going to get a Mando S3 trailer on Christmas Day. That's coming out in March. Where's where's the Bad Batch S2 stuff? 
It's just, I don't know what's going on there. I mean, is it because all the money woes have, have some of the higher ups got cut out that we just never heard of, but it doesn't seem like they can stick to a plan. And I would imagine in that business, even in this day and age with, with shifting the streaming, this, that, and the other thing that missing plans costs money. It has to. I mean, just creating promotion for, hey, Andor, 831, 831, print them up, get the posters, get the banners. Oh, shit, just kidding. September 21st, reprint them, get them all out there. I don't know. I guess we shouldn't bitch. It's, it's at least coming and we have a day now. But it is funny that they can't hit, they can't hit their um, stated dates anymore. Um, oh, w- within this post, we also got some concept art here. We've seen this before. And there's the indie trailer that Nick did not watch, but that's all right. We don't need to talk about him. Let's get into the good stuff about Mando S3 from CCXP. And that is um, a description of some of the footage shown at CCXP, which did, did you even know this was a thing? CCXP? No, when I saw like stuff coming out from this, I'm like, what the fuck is a CCXP? Yeah, apparently, <laughs> I, I think this is like Brazil's Comic-Con or something. It's like their, their big ass show. Uh, you know, so they, they wheeled out Pedro. He was in this fucking Pedro. Like I want to hang out with Pedro Pascal. I mean, this dude either eats mushrooms all day or is stoned all day long. Cause (laughs) you gotta look up the outfit he was wearing at CCXP 22. I mean, it's like full on loud lime green, like print shit. Like where you look at it and your eyes feel like they're going to melt. And it's beautiful (laughs) that he can just like, Hey, I'm fucking famous. I'm just going to walk out there and they'll still be like, ah, Pedro Dindajaran, The Last of Us, Joel, we love you. Dude, he, that's he coming is, up. Yeah, I know. That, that's coming up January. That's that's looking mighty fine, right? Have you is that on your radar, The Last of Us? Yeah, I mean, I I really was a huge fan of the first game. Never finished the second game, not because of any reason other than just like I stopped playing video Dude, games. That, that for second a while. game's rough. That's I know it is. It's, it's emotionally like, like emotionally rough. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like it, it is tough to get through. Yeah, because like, like I every... I got to like the first like real kick in the balls moment in that game, yeah. which happens like pretty early on. <laughs> and I was like, damn dude, Golf like I got clubs and human skulls. Yeah. Like do, I, do, I do, right do. after that, I was like, shit, man, like that's heavy. And it's like, it, and, is, and it, it maintains that the whole time. Like, dude, I remember you'd finish one mission and switch perspective to the other. And I'd be like, Oh fuck. Now I know what I'm going to get into with this Christ. I don't want to deal yeah. with it anymore. And it's, it wasn't game stress. It, it was just dealing with the material stress. Yeah. And like, I look, and I appreciate like the level of, of like workmanship put into that and like the writing and everything, the performances from all the actors, but like, fuck man, my life can suck sometimes too. And like, I really, like, I just didn't need all that, that extra stress nah. on me. I was like, yeah, no, it, it's, it, it reminded uh, me of like when the walking dead was excellent and, and you, you led up to the, the Negan moments and you knew what you're about to watch. And when you're watching it, it, it was almost too shocking and, and heavy. It's like, Jesus Christ. Like I thought I was into this type of gore, but when it's with characters, you, you kind of know and love and, and have followed and have developed a relationship, a relationship with when you see those atrocities played out, it's like, you know, maybe I am human after all. Uh, all right, let's get into more positive stuff here instead of people getting their heads caved in with blunt <laughs> objects. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, so anyways, Mando S3. It's funny, they, they've kind of kept this thing guarded in terms of footage to show to fans, which is odd, but hey, whatever. I'm not a producer. I'm not in Lucasfilm marketing or PR. 
Uh, but they they showed a from what I've read, Nick, it sounds like an extended version of what's been floating around all summer, like the the, the, the behind the closed door celebration, then the publicly released, I think, D23 Mando trailer. Uh, so it, it's a lot of what you've seen, my friends, but there were some new moments that deserve a little bit of discussion. Uh, first and foremost, for you Boba bros out there, a, a fan in attendance does confirm that um, Boba Fett makes an appearance in the new Mando trailer, which I don't think should surprise anyone that's been kind of following along with the Mandoverse. He is a part of it. He has a now long-established relationship with Din Djarin. He owes Din Djarin big time, considering Din came in to help him in his little fiefdom there. So, yes, Boba Fett in Mando Season 3 makes a hell of a lot of sense, and it's now been confirmed via this new trailer. So I don't think that surprises you either, young Nick, because you are also a scholar and can just figure out very basic and in-your-face plot points for the yeah, Mandoverse. No, very, very straightforward there. No, no I mean, surprise. Boba himself, at the end of his own show, said, you know what? Fuck this shit. I'm yeah, tired like, of being a leader. I, let's get back to doing fun stuff. So, yeah, he, he's going to be out there milling around, and he will heed the call if it comes from Din Djarin. He has to. I mean, he literally... He's not as goofy as Din, and, and I don't think he feels like he owes him a life debt like Din felt for Boba, but he's going to come help him out. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, I, I made a short for it, which I'd love for you to check it all out. But he, here's some of the quotes Nick and I can parse through that we got from Reddit. So this, this is all from the new Mando trailer, and it came from Reddit. So we're talking about sometimes the lowest of the lows. Who knows what their brain can function like or what they actually saw, but this is what they wrote down. All right, so there's a scene with a planet that looks like Coruscant, and the preview features several action sequences, including a never-before-seen bo- never one featuring Mando running away from TIE fighters. So the Coruscant angle is interesting, and I guess I want to ask you, Nick, do, do you think it really is Coruscant, or could it be another inner inner core planet like uh, Hosnian Prime or Chandrilla, which could have served as... Uh, the home of the New Republic before yeah. it really was the New Republic. There are a lot of massive like city planets that are in the core world, so it could be another one of those. It would actually kind of make sense if they went to Mando or if Mando went to Coruscant, given that there is such a deep presence of underground act- or underworld activity there. I mean, that's kind of what that whole boat fit, like 1313, if you remember that from right. years and years ago. There was going to be a Boba Fett game called 1313 where you were functioning in like playing in the underworld sections of Coruscant. So I think that that would be a really cool place to explore, especially for this character um, and in this time, because I would have to imagine post uh, Imperial decline and still in a very shaky new Republic kind of spot that that Coruscant is just like on fire. Like Coruscant, especially in the lower levels, is going to be like a fucking madhouse. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it should be a shit show. So I, 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 that is interesting. That is an interesting take because, you know, what? Because the New Republic, they never officially set set up shop there. From what I've been reading, it sounds like they started on Chandrill and then they end up on Hosnian Prime. Yeah. So, like, they never took over Coruscant as, like, the seat of power like it once was okay. before 
the Empire. Yeah, so took like, what, what, what was going on then? Like, what would they do at the Jedi Temple? What did Because that's where Palpatine shacked up mostly. Yeah. I mean, he was up in one of those towers. Uh, uh, yeah, I like that. Uh, but hey, listen, who's whose last known location was Coruscant? Mace Windu. Bring him back. <laughs> Gro- Grogu. I mean, I that, that, that is Grogu's home. When, when they asked him, hey, tell me about your home, Luke, where does he go? He goes right back to the temple. Yeah. And the, the fact that they've been showing us these flashbacks of Grogu leads me to believe that they're not done revealing his, his backstory, nor, nor should they be. I mean, that, that would be like what we're potentially looking like in Andor, where they give us an interesting flashback, and they're just like, yeah, fuck you. We just need that to start everything. <laughs> <laughs> Who gives a shit about why there was just a, a planet full of kids that look like they were Lord of the Flies? It doesn't matter in the end. Yeah, He's so Grogu. We'll look at him. <laughs> but yeah, no, I like, I love your angle uh, exploring the underworld. Um, I love, I also love the idea of seeing a Coruscant that isn't the heart of the galaxy. What happened to it after the fall of the Empire? Did, did, did the Empire remnant just burn it down or did they try to take it over? I mean, who knows? That, that's a very interesting point. But also, we got to remember that, that those are Grogu's roots. That's what he thinks is home. Uh, so if they're going to explore, it, it would kind of make sense that season three is probably going to be an exploration of both Din and Grogu's heritages and, and, and past. Yeah. Uh, Din trying to reclaim his, Grogu trying to understand his better, uh, or at least those who care for Grogu. So I, I dig that. I like that. I, I would not mind to return to Coruscant in this time period because i don't i don't think we've seen it right we we haven't Mm-mm. seen not in not in post not like no, in we, any we post episode seen it. six content correct i, I think you're you're spot on it, it's just been non-existent so that would be cool all right so here's some other new footage uh there's a scene with a scrap star destroyer and the preview ends with grogu using the force against a monster which was the most applauded moment of the preview Okay. Uh, Grogu is also going to keep exploring the force as he's shown pushing a figure out of a cave. So I think that's probably the same deal. So what do you think this, this down star destroyer and, and pushing monsters out of cave, is this all on Mandalore? Probably. Could be Mandalore. I mean, it would also not be out of the realm of possibility that they could like, I guess they say downed, uh, Scrap star. Yeah, uh, okay, scrap star destroyer. So, so like, like I was it, gonna say, like you know, think we, like think like think like Jakku. Yeah, that's what I was. I was like Jack, Jakku's open. I was even thinking like we've never seen Kuat in real life, but like Kuat is where a lot of the star destroyers, like Kuat Drive Yards, was where like a lot of star destroyers and like rebel ships were made. And if we're in an era, if we're in an era now where like. Star Destroyers are being like officially scrapped, like turned into scrapped and then turned into something else. You could be on Kuat seeing like for some reason. Um, that would be interesting. Jakku, obviously, we know the, of the uh, Star Destroyer or the uh, like graveyard on Jakku. That's where Ray did all of her scavenging and stuff. Um, I don't know what would necessarily bring them to Jakku because it doesn't seem like there was a lot there before she well, got that's there. Why, that's why I'm kind of thinking Mandalore and think about it. Mandalore at this point is essentially a dead planet. Yeah. And there were battles, so there, there could be potential to have a down Star Destroyer on Mandalore oh, itself. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely possible. Even, you know, some of those shots of the trailer we have seen, which I believe is, is him or Bo approaching Mandalore. If you look down, it looks bombed the fuck out still. Like it is a, it's a destroyed 
ecosystem, everything is is wiped out. Architecture, you know, it, it's I don't think there's any standing cities. It to me, it's a truly dead planet at this point. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean that's a that's a good point. So I do, yeah, I mean it definitely could be Mandalore as well. Yeah. All right, I think there's a good thing I I put a fucking blue background on yellow text because you can really read that. That's a good good call there. Uh, loaded with action, new locations, ton of Mandalorians, and so much more. Also, they're going to Mandalore. Yeah, we know all that. Quote from the pan. Oh, uh, Favreau and Filoni also phoned into this panel, and I don't think they said a ton. Uh, we, they were working on skeleton crew when they called in last week. So they are involved. Those two guys are involved with that. Probably yeah. looking at dailies and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's really like it, I'm looking at it now. It's a lot of talk about Grogu. Like Favreau says, Gro, like Grogu represents innocence being the new generation of Yoda's species who was wise and old. Grogu is hope for the future innocence and the power of a pure soul capable of transforming others, including the character that who I don't know who Peter is. Oh, oh uh, Pedro, you know, for, for Mando, including Mando. Um, right. Yeah. So it's like a lot of like talk about like Grogu. Grogu and Grogu's going to change a lot of people Wars in season three. Yeah. Grogu's yeah. going to probably change some minds in season three. Yeah. Bo-Katan being one of them more than likely. Mm-hmm. She's going to realize like, okay, I, I need to get over myself and my, you know, my, my hard nipples for this dark saber thing. Cause look at this little guy. He's he's real. He's making us all realize that we're idiots. Yeah, I think that it, it's going to be something like that. Yeah, and that, that that that's really all the you know. It's very general stuff. Season mm-hmm. three, bigger in scope, more space battles, more Mandalorians, surprises. It's like okay, yeah, we we're coming to expect that. I do like that it's bigger in scope, and it's not just going to be, you know, man and cub going from mission to mission to get to their end goal. This is going to be. I, I think season three is going to feel significantly different than one and two. It's yeah. going to not be as personal, right? It's going to be a little more, we've established his connections, his relationships. Let's open up the world a bit more. So it's not just Mando and Grogu go here, Mando and Grogu do this. It, it's going to be more community based. Uh, obviously heavy dose of the Mando community, which I think is going to be freaking fantastic. Uh, because outside of Rebels, we, we've never seen a collection of Mandalorians. And yeah. uh, to, to see that in live action, all these people, you know, we, we, we were talking months ago uh, about some of the leaks, you know, 60 plus people on set in, in various types of Mando kits. That, that's going to be like Nick was saying, Andor and its lack of wow moments. That right there is probably going to be a whoa, look at that. I haven't seen that before. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's that, That's really that's it. So the big things here, the Coruscant deal, and I really like Nick's take on that. I hope that's how that plays out. He's going to be somewhere with, with Scrap Star Destroyer, Grogu fighting monsters, and Grogu is going to kind of be the, it seems like, the, the linchpin for yeah. getting people to potentially Almost change like their the, minds. The moral compass. Like, he's going to turn yeah, into, like, yeah. the moral compass of the show. Right. <laughs> Which is yeah, interesting you know, it, for a character who cannot talk. <laughs> Yeah. And hopefully when he does talk, he doesn't talk like Yoda because we've also right. learned now that Yoda was just a dickhead. Okay, <laughs> yeah, so Yoda like, was just an asshole. 
Do you think, okay, so like we now know that Yoda's like backward speech is because of one of his masters. Do you think that Grogu's voice is going to be like, go to the Jedi temper? Like, do you think it's going to be that like fucking weird, like this kind of sound? He's just going to do that the whole time. Hey, did No, no, I don't. Because again, Yaddle didn't have that either. She she sounded just like... Bryce Dallas Howard. <laughs> so I'm hoping Grogu just, you know, talks like you or me, where he's yeah. just like, hey, Din. Yo. Hey, what's up, man. <laughs> what are we eating? It's <laughs> just something like that. That'd be funny, where he just literally that talks perfect, or he has like a really deep voice, like, hey, Dad, I'm ready to go eat. You got any of those macaroons? <laughs> <laughs> Give me some more of them frogs, bitch. Yeah, where are those frog people at? I want to eat their babies. i can't wait till he talks for the first time because that shit is going to no matter what his voice sounds like it's gonna become a meme on and and it'll piss it'll it'll piss people off too there's no doubt about it he doesn't sound like yoda how come he doesn't talk back well that's because yoda was drunk my friend yeah all the the time yeah (laughs) this dude was just a dickhead oh speaking of yoda don't forget our short form content hit up youtube i uh broke down yoda number one which is kind of following the same path as the Obi-Wan limited series where, you, you know, we're, we're meeting Yoda during the, the dark times where he's on Dagobah, but he reflects on his past. So uh, check that out as well as I uh, just broke down the most recent Vader number 29 and Hidden Empire number one. All right, dude, uh, more Mando news here. We got the full list of writers for season three and it shouldn't really surprise anyone. Man, it's a list of one name. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, come on. I mean, this, yeah. I, I think a lot of people forget that this is John Favreau's series. He's yeah. the one that created it. He's the one that thought of Grogu. He pitched it to Kathy, and then she said, hey, work with this Dave guy. He knows his shit. But yeah, I mean, season three, Favreau is the single writer on episodes one and two. He's sharing writing duties with Noah Clore on episode three. Clore worked on the book of Boba Fett. So some people are like, well, if Clore's writing on episode three, then that's going to be the Boba episode. That that Could really be. doesn't mean mean much, but you yeah. never know because I believe Clore also has credit in the Mandoverse. Uh, but I think for um, no, I believe season one Filoni had two credits as well, and he's getting two credits in season three. So Filoni is co-writing episode four, and he's co-writing seven. So to me, Nick. We're going to get Ahsoka in either four or seven. And then the other one is probably going to be Mandalorian lore heavy. What say yeah. you? Yeah, I agree with that. Like if you start to go, especially like I would peg four, like mid season for an Ahsoka show up, but then I would peg seven for the Mando heavy lore stuff, because by that time you're probably getting deep into like yeah, you're like on the- Mandalore, you're now you know you're in those mines looking for the living water and all that shit potentially finding the mythosaur and all like the 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 mythical stuff and Mm -hmm. then that that's where filoni would be needed yeah exactly so i i I think that's how it'll play i do agree with you that we'll probably see another ahsoka uh cameo here so yeah 100 percent on the same page yeah i mean guaranteed ahsoka is going to be in this it just i I don't know i kind of like your I, i was thinking Maybe Ahsoka's seven during like the climax, but you you may be better better guessing this one where you know she kind of comes in early as before Din kind of gets to where he needs to go, 
And then uh, seven is the Mandalorian lore heavy stuff that leads yeah. into the, the finale, if, which could be some big ass battle on Mandalore. Yeah. Cause if like, if, if he knows he has to go to Mandalore and he doesn't really trust Bo-Katan that much to be like, Hey, give me the lowdown on what's going on there. Like he's going to go to the only other person that, that he knows that's ever been there. So, and that's Ahsoka. So maybe that's like, he's like, Hey, Know, get getting ready to head off to Mandalore. I know that you spent some time there during the the siege of Mandalore and everything like that. Can you like give me some history, some background on what? Yeah, maybe maybe it's some something around there for Episode Four. What do you think this final credits shit means? Because if I if I look at season two and season one on the Writers Guild site where this comes from, so this is all official, my friends. Uh, like season two, it has final credits of eight twenty eight twenty. Huh. But well, maybe that's when they 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 like pressed it, it and it was considered yeah. done. Like yeah, because like, I think season two debuted what late November of 2020, I think. Season two, yeah, I think yeah. so. Or and early then, November or something like that. It, maybe it was October. Fuck, I'm, I'm October 30th. So it was there. It is the October end of 30th. October. Um, was the first air date for so it's season like, two. Two or three months. Oh, it doesn't mean anything. I'm yeah, just like, what, what I mean, does like final, final credits yeah, mean? Like, yeah, it might mean like that's when they actually finalized like all of the people who worked on the episode and like okay. you know, had like yeah. like literally like it may, it may be like a literal definition of like this is when the credits were finalized. All right. Works for me. All right. So there's <laughs> your writers. Not not a big surprise. I mean, it's just the, the Filoni stuff you always got to pay attention to because those are going to be the very lore-heavy episodes that John needs his expertise for. And within this post, before we get to the meat of our Acolyte stories this week, there was a new casting, and this this one's odd. They just say it's for a guest star role, and it is uh, Margarita Leviva from The Deuce in Revenge, and apparently she signed on for a guest role in The Acolyte. I I don't know who she is. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, me neither. I mean, I, I got a picture of her. She's a, a great looking young lady, but that's about all I can tell you at this point in time. She's Russian. But some, uh, <laughs> something like that. Some interesting acolyte news and, and one that might have got Daphne Keene dead is she more or less came out and said, Nick, that the Acolyte series is going to explore how the Sith will infiltrate the Jedi Order right at the end of the high republic era gonna be honest with you not sure she should have said that (laughs) right so here here's the exact quote and and i think you and i can kind of play on what she said and really figure out what she was saying yeah uh but here we here we go so no i mean as you know it's said 100 years before the prequel movies and it's kind of an explanation of how the sith infiltrated the jedi it's a sith-led story which has never been done before. It's been really fun to film. The cast is amazing. The director and crew are just lovely. The whole experience is wonderful. And I'm already excited for people to see it. So what what do you think about that? Uh, I like a lot of what she said. And if that is, yeah, if that is the case, but here's the thing, the Sith infiltration of the Jedi order, we assume, I, I mean, as far as we know in Canon, unless there's shit that's like written in like new new canon books that go prior to episode one that I'm just not aware of. Like our knowledge of how the Sith infiltrated the Jedi order is purely through Palpatine's machinations to essentially become Senator or, you know, a, a representative of Naboo. Like, right. We don't and know. It's also how you, how you, 
define the term infiltrate. Infiltrate. You know, yeah. you could take it the way she's saying it. You could take it like a Sith never just got into the Jedi Council and was doing her thing. No. Uh, out, outside of potentially Dooku as his at the end, because we, we now know through tales that honestly, Dooku is probably the closest thing to a dark side thinking person to still be in the Jedi Order, correct? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if this is still canon, but prior, like, at the release of Episode Eight, there were the Lost Jedi, which were Jedi that had turned to the dark side while, like, after having completed their training. So, like, there were other Jedi prior to Dooku's fall who had kind of fallen in a similar manner. But, like, yeah, now in canon, like, he's the closest that we have to having, like, a true dark side presence within the structure of the Jedi Order. Yeah, I mean, he was in the Jedi Order working for Sidious. I, I guess he technically wasn't the apprentice yet, because that yeah. doesn't happen until he I mean, kills Yaddle. I, I guess your your only other one is Barris, right? Like Barris was a was but, truly an infiltrator. And I don't even think she was Sith though. She was just disenfranchised uh, with yeah. the Jedi like everyone else and thought they were the shitheads. Yeah, so it's 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 going to be interesting because like here's the thing though is like if that's how they tell the story then like there's no canon that is now in place to say otherwise like there's you know there's well, nothing I, I think they have wiggle room like I'm not saying yeah, yeah. this is this is wrong I just it's it's interesting like what does that mean infiltrate like are, are we talking Plagueis are we getting there like Plagueis, and then that's how he feeds down into Sidious, and then Sidious is the one. Because I'm with you. From what I know, Sidious is the one that truly infiltrates the Order, but she's yeah. saying that that's going to happen 100 years before he even becomes Supreme Chancellor. Okay, so now this is where it's really going to get into my nerdy side of Star Wars shit. So, like, <laughs> I wrote, so like, I wrote a large swath of a novel, like eight chapters of a novel, that was the exact reverse of this. That was a Jedi infiltrating the Sith Order when it was still around Bane's time. So, like, I wrote, like, I had a, an entire story outline and I had written a lot of story around that time period when it was still before Bane had, like, destroyed all of the Brotherhood of Darkness, which was, like, at that time, the Sith Order that was fighting against the Jedi Order. And I had a I had a Jedi character that could like mask his force presence and he infiltrated the Sith Order. Now, I wonder if that is what the Acolyte is. If the Acolyte is a Sith apprentice under Plagueis or somebody else who actually does apply to the Jedi Order or like, you know, gets picked up by the Jedi Order and infiltrates it that way. Because we know that there are a lot of young people that are in this show. Like Daphne Keene is young. Uh, mm -hmm. Amanda uh, Stenberg is young and a lot of the other characters are like in their like early 20s. So I wonder if this is like a, I wonder if this is almost like why the, the Jedi lock it down. Like, hey, you can't, you have to come in when you're a kid because the last time somebody didn't come in as a kid, they ended up being a dark side apprentice oh, and luckily we caught them, but you have to be a kid so you don't have any other outside influences that could potentially be playing on you. I like that. That That's an interesting way to to take it. Um, you know, I, I was kind of playing in the write-up, like, you know, infiltrated. Could, she could have just misspoke 
I mean, it, it could be this is when they started to cloud the vision of the Jedi, right? Because that, yeah. that's really what they did. At least, at least what we know canon-wise from the movies, Pal- Sidious Palpatine, he didn't necessarily infiltrate the Order in the true definition of the word infiltrate. Like, he wasn't in there, you know, rolling around in ninja gear, sitting on the council mm-hmm. as another person. No. But through through uh, Dooku, through words to Anakin, and just the dark side overtaking and clouding the vision of the Jedi, kind of eating into their Force ability, that is an infiltration of sorts. So maybe maybe she just meant this is when, hundred years before TPM, this is truly when the Jedi started to get blind, blinded by the dark side because of these the, the the acolytes and whatever sith lead is going to be in this show i don't know it's just like i said is you could process the word infiltrate a, a few different ways and it, and it completely changes what could ha- happen in the acolyte yeah yeah i mean it's yeah i mean it's going to be interesting to see how they approach this i also like that that she said that this is a sith led story yeah, um, but, because is, dude, where's the? Uh, can you pull up the official synopsis anywhere real quick? Because I believe doesn't it say like a, a a former Jedi reunites with her old master? So yeah, so like, it says is is Daphne gonna be the 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 sis or is Amanda gonna be the the dark side or or is yeah. the former Jedi gonna become and fall to the dark side? I don't know. I'm digging yeah. it either way. So the, the did you find says, the the okay, Acolyte is a mystery thriller that will take viewers into a galaxy of shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic. A former Padawan reunites with her Jedi Master to investigate a series of crimes, but the forces they confront are more sinister than they ever anticipated. Right, so the crimes they investigate are going to lead them probably to the, these, the dark to side the users or user. Yeah. Now, where does the infiltration happen then? Do, do, do they affect this former padawan and remember because we talked about this before is are they saying former padawan as in left the order or it's now a jedi knight we don't we don't know that either yeah exactly so it's it's hard to really pin down exactly how this could play out the infiltration part is interesting because it could be like a it could be like a darth revan situation where it's like revan and malik are both jedi go out to fight the mandalorian wars go into the unknown regions of space encounter the Sith Emperor, who ends up being Valkorian, gets mind controlled and then enters back into the galaxy as Darth Revan. But when Revan and Malak did it, they were like an outward evil force that is now pushing against the Jedi. If this, if like this Jedi Master or this former right. Padawan who could be a knight gets kidnapped and brainwashed yeah. and then sent back into the Order, brainwashed, okay. then that's another way it could happen. I like it. And again, it isn't, we, we know at least how things play out. It, it's not, however you want to process the word infiltration, it's not like once they get in, it's over. It's, it's that slow build because we're talking 180 to 100 years prior to TPM when he really starts to get his hooks into the, yeah. the Jedi Order and his plan starts to come to fruition. But it also, uh, but like, 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 it builds ahead. on like, why was there so much distrust for somebody like Anakin, who is admittedly still a child? Like, Admand- yeah. a- Anakin, when they bring him to the Jedi Order, is nine years old. It's not right, like this. are all big on attachment still and attachment yeah. that, your mother and, like, and yada, yada, yada. So, like, and in canon prior to that, 
now, like in now canon, prior to that, there was no necessary reason why that was in place. Like, there was no reason that you could, you had to be a fucking kid, like a baby kid, to get in. It, like, so maybe that's what they're using. They're using this to kind of establish that precedent. Okay. I like it. Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, we're introduced to Jedi in the original trilogy, and there's no such thing as that. I mean, Luke's damn near a fucking 19-year-old loser hanging out on the farm, and, and he becomes one. So, all right. I think the big takeaway here, though, Nick, is it's a Sith-led story, which has never been done before, and that's something you and I have been asking for. I mean, we wanted our, our guy, like the Sith, the Dark Lord of them, uh, but I'll take it. Like, anything that... The kind of shifts towards the antagonistic side of Star Wars, I'm down for because you don't get that. You yeah. don't get it in, in really any of our fantasy, be it sci-fi or traditional fantasy. It's always good guys, good guys, good guys, good guys. I'm I'm all down. I'm all for flipping it. Let let's make the bad guys the heroes, but not in the true sense of the word heroes. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely agree. Like, I, I want to have more, like, dark side focused content that you are following the dark side users as your, like, primary, yes. like, you know, primary yes. people through the show. Like We've said it a million times. I mean, just imagine an episode dedicated, or, or like, Andor, but with Darth Vader. Like, yeah. th- that type of dialogue and, and hearing his inner monologues, it, having Vader deliver a fucking speech like Luthen, get out of here. I mean, come on. Yeah. All right. So that there's your acolyte news. I'm I'm high on this one, my friend. I mean, I I think you know in 2020 beginning of 2022 we were excited, great slate of shows, Kenobi, Andor, Tales of the Jedi, but really 23 if you think about it. I mean, Mando, Ahsoka, Skeleton Crew, and then we'll be gearing up for 24 into the acolytes. So you know, as long as your your doomsday predictions don't come true for Disney and and Disney Plus. The roadmap is looking very intriguing over the yeah. next two years of, of Star Wars TV. I mean, I, I really do hope they can turn around the profitability of that platform. And it, but like, here's the fact of the matter: like, they they can't kill Disney Plus. It's too big now. Like, you, you oh yeah, you've yeah already not. committed to it. What you can do is slow down your content schedule and and adjust things like that. Like how much you're going to put into the development costs for any series. They're doing an ad supported plan now, too, because I think Netflix yeah. has figured out like, holy shit, people actually sign up for this. <laughs> well, so. yeah, I mean, because like you're going to make way more money off of ad supported because you because advertisers are going to double pay dip to right? be it's on your dip. platform. Yeah. More than people would pay for the non non ad right. platform anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I think I said this before. I think I said this in the in the last episode before I went on my vacation but like the acolyte to me is the most intriguing property that's upcoming for star Wars. Like I love the Mando verse and I love everything that's being built there. And the reason that I love it is because it is a slice of the galaxy that Disney carved out to say like, this is ours and we're going to make this time period ours. And with, and it's still Skywalker adjacent. Yeah. And it's still like related like you, but, but acolyte is another piece of that where it's like, this is our time period. Yep. And we mm-hmm. really don't have anything to adhere to in it. Like there's nothing that's behind us that we need to adhere to unless we choose to. And that's like all the Revan and Bane shit. And then in front of it, you're so far off. You're, you're a hundred to 200 years off from the start of the first movie that like, 
Right. You have enough room to play around with any character that you create where it's not really going to fuck with the movies that much. No. So like, I mean, dude, it, it's a, it's, it, they have a bigger playground than the Mandoverse does. The Mandoverse only has about 36 to, I don't know, 40 years maybe. Yeah. I mean, uh, they, to, they to have, play around before the sequels kick in. Yeah. And, and like you said, we're, we're looking at 80 to a hundred of uncovered yeah. territory. And then you go territory. backwards and you have fucking 10,000, however, however yeah. much time <laughs> you want. Dude, like I, the, I mean, you, you remember when the Game of Thrones bros were supposedly going to do like a like a co-tour? I mean, that that I would love that type of shit. I, I would love to get that thousand years back Star Wars like heyday. Everything's heyday because we've talked about this before. Star Wars, unlike our universe, it, it's kind of it, it ages in reverse. Where in Star Wars in the past, they were more technological advanced. Uh, people were treated better. And then as star wars progresses into the future things get worse and worse Dude, and more archaic the the way that you could almost describe star wars is it's like star wars is almost like one of those stories where you're living in a post-apocalyptic world yeah, but you it, don't it's know it ancient apocalypse on netflix yeah, yeah. it's, where it's the, there was this advanced civilization that because of you know, greed, power, and gods or whatever essentially got itself all wiped out, but there's enough of them around to where they didn't have to restart, but you are in kind of a rebuild and you're not going to have that highfalutin, you know, technology and, and society, this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, dude, according to what I read, High Republic has, has really fucking taken off and, and been a banger for yeah, I, uh, the, the Star Wars reading universe so i mean like you said that's also disney's playground so yeah so like I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff already, to play in yeah so all right uh we got one more and then we'll do our fan segment going a little longer than we thought but that's all right uh, this one's more or less just psa type of stuff so star wars j survivor we, we, we told you this a few <laughs> months ago but it is now confirmed uh this week on the 8th so that's going to be what thursday at the game mm-hmm. awards you're going to get an action-packed gameplay reveal, the first of its kind, of Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Okay, so that's going to be this Thursday, December 8th. Uh, you can hit our post. We got the link to the Game Awards. Uh, I'm sure it's streaming on all the, the streaming platforms with... Uh, who, who runs this one now? What's his name? What's that uh, guy's Ke- name? Jeff Keeley. Yeah, Keeley. Who's, he's essentially just whipped his winger out, and his, he's like destroyed E3 and everything with his own little, his own little conferences he does. You know, good for him. I mean, he literally was just like a host. And now he is pretty much the face of gaming media, like the big shit that they do. Uh, but the other thing, you got to love the people over at Steam. But on Monday, they uh, they leaked the release date when they when they put it up in the on the Steam shop. And uh, unless EA and, and Respawn decide to change it now, uh, Jedi Survivor looking to drop on next gen only March 15, so about two weeks after Mando Season 3 kicks off. Uh, and they also left up some synopsis on the game page before they were alerted to their mistakes, so we got that <laughs> yeah. too. So here we go. The story of Cal Kestis continues in Star Wars Jedi Survivor, a third-person, galaxy-spanning action-adventure game from Respawn Entertainment developed in collaboration with Lucasfilm Games. Who the hell writes their copy? This narrative-driven, single-player title picks up five years after the events of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, so it's almost right in there at Andor timeline, I would think, then. Yeah. 
uh, and follows Cal's increasingly desperate fight as the galaxy descends further into darkness. Pushed to the edges of the galaxy by the Empire, Cal will find himself surrounded by threats new and familiar. As one of the last surviving Jedi Knights, Cal is driven to make a stand during the galaxy's darkest times. But how far is he willing to go to protect himself, his crew, and the legacy of the Jedi Order? At Very least as far enough as his broad sword heavy yeah. lightsaber will take. Him. I will say it says the cinematic combat system returns with additional force abilities and a new lightsaber fighting style. So it seems like the combat's going to be similar, mm. if not the same. Yeah. I, I was going to say is like, I, I, I don't know how much I can really get excited about new combat styles because I, I, I think it's going to be the same clunky super slow moving swinging light that weighs like brick yeah i doesn't it doesn't make sense it just (laughs) it it really doesn't and i really hope the new lightsaber fighting like i i hope they give you a choice i'll put it this way if they give you a choice to say like i want to play this soul style stuff or i would rather a faster but maybe yeah, like, like less real. damaging style. Like, you know, okay, like you're not swinging it like a fucking broadsword. So you're doing less damage, but it is a little bit more paced. Like it's a little quicker. Nick, I'll make it easy for you. Just the, the, the checkbox is make it like the Force Unleash. You just yeah. fucking toggle that and there you go. Like that, how hard is it? That, that's yeah. how you make a fucking lightsaber fighting game. Third person style. The Force Unleashed, you already figured it out. Yeah, it's already there. You know, the blue, he doesn't the have to be as there. over the top as Starkiller, who could essentially like fly through the air and <laughs> do all sorts of crazy shit. But like, come on, man. But I don't know, dude. There's a lot of people that are super excited about this, and I'm definitely going to play it. I'm, I'm a good Star Wars boy. But I just, I don't get the hype for the, the, the Star Wars Jedi series from EA, and I think it's because Milk Toast Boy, I just, he didn't do it for me. He didn't yeah. do it. I, I am interested to see how they approach Cal as a character now, because I really do think that they were just telling a general story through him in the first game. Okay. And I, right. I do, I do hope that they focus on making him more of a presence in the story instead of just the guy you're playing to get to the story. Um, I mean, five years is a lot of time. So a lot of shit will have past i mean he, and i the, will say that like the image that they've put up of him does make him look more like it, it is a good representation of cal five years later grizzled he's definitely seen some hard times he's definitely like been in other scraps because you can see scars on him like he got some tattoo on his arm so it seems like they've built the story around cal a little bit more even just from seeing the image so uh, yeah, he does can, look a little help. more like a hard ass, but oh, he's got yeah. a pistol now too. That's pretty sweet. BD's still there. Yeah, he's BD's still here. I'll have to say, and I encourage everyone to go look at this if you haven't seen it already, but I'm pretty sure our boy Johnny uh, Osage did one of the best shit posts of all time. <laughs> he, put <up> a, <laughs> he put up a split screen of Will Poulter in Cal Kestis, and he's like, hey, Disney, I think you should cast Will Poulter to play live action Cal Kestis, and you should read the comments. They're like, hey, they're like, don't you know that a real guy already plays them? So like, well, yeah. why would they need to do? This? But then there's people like, yeah, that's a good idea. 
It's like, come on, man. <laughs> I was like, Johnny, if you're listening, you gotta tell me. Like, was that? Did, were you just fucking with people, or? Because that, it was it was hilarious. I loved it because I mean, people were genuinely shocked. Like, who who is this guy posting this shit? Because he's like, hey, you already cast Will Poulter to be in in the Guardians. You might as well use yeah, him just, as Cal Kestis. Just put him in there too. You, you don't even have to pay him a new salary. <laughs> just pay him. I just dude, the reaction is fantastic. So if you you know if you remember tonight, go look up Johnny Osage on Instagram and look at that post. Because I mean, the comments are just they're either they're they're just go they're so incredulous. Either way, they're like, does this guy know what he's saying? But there were some like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> oh, What's wrong with people? Uh I love it. Yeah, everyone go check it out. If you haven't seen it yet, it gave me a smile. Um, Johnny made sure I, I was aware of it. But he's like, hey, if you ever need me to come up with questions of the week, let me know because I seem to be pretty good at it because he definitely got a lot of traction on that question he asked. <laughs> Should Will Poulter play live action CalCast? All right, sorry. Let me get composed here because it's time for the fan segment. It's time to round home and put episode 242 to bed. We do it every week. There's two ways to get involved. The first way is through the question of the week, which we post on Instagram at Star Wars Time Show. It'll be in our stories and or our post feed. All you got to do is find it if IG lets you, that the AI that is, and then you you reply. And you never know, maybe we'll pick your question, <laughs> or I'm sorry, your comment to read live on air. So let's go ahead and bring it up one, bring it up here. This will be my last question regarding Andor, which sucks because now I got to start making them up, which really no one responds to, even though these have kind of died as well. But the question we have here to put Andor Season 1 to bed once and for all, what was your most memorable or least memorable moment from Andor Season 1? Kind of like what Nick and I did today. Um, uh, Nick, I'll go ahead and handle the stories, and then you can yep. hit the, the post. I, so uh, we got one from Umbra Toy Photos. You can also see a very nice-looking shot in our conversation. Uh, but they said the entire prison escape scene was masterful golf clap emoji. We agree. That was up there for us, at least me. Nick hates the, the can't swim part. Uh, and then figure wit out. That's a good one, too. I like that handle. Figure wit out. Nice. Uh, they say most memorable got to be the I can't swim line. Was totally fine after it. So people coming after Nick, that this, they were affected by it just like me. Yeah. Uh, Grown-ass <laughs> man can't swim. Yeah. You, you <laughs> must have, you know, you, you, you weren't just going to... How do I sell in, you that? You weren't having the feels when you were watching that part. How do I, I sell that to a friend? How do I be like, <laughs> hey, man, the most memorable moment is when this guy is escaping prison and he realizes he can't swim. Yeah. Well, you, you got to like change your, your inflection a little bit. Like, hey, he can't swim. The guy Something can't like swim, like you're trying, man. There you go. Swim. Yeah. Like a used car salesman commercial. There you go. Yeah. All right. Go. You, you can take the uh, the comments. Now. I mean, this is so this is from one six and this is the same as uh, the, the, Sir same, dork. the swim. He says, uh, definitely the closing scene from episode nine, nobody's listening, when Kino comes to the realization that he's not getting out. Circus keeps that look fixed on his face the whole time, and he says, never more than 12. So good. So this is this wasn't the can't swim line. This was the, right. uh, oh, yeah, like they're like I'm fucked, and I yeah, was after he sees uh, to Olaf, Olaf die, yeah, he yeah. gets motivated. I agree. Yeah. That is a good moment. That's a good, yeah, that's a good moment. That's a good moment. Uh, Gabriel's Comics and Collectibles says, 
Love that you can now imagine that Luthen is a Jedi survivor. He imagine has a kyber crystal. Yeah, imagine. <laughs> His shop is full of artifacts, holocrons. His ship is tricked out with all kinds of tech, and it has lightsabers no, it emitting out of the not. sides. That is not a lightsaber. Uh, he has that retractable walking stick that might be a saber hilt. He's forming a that. rebellion against the Empire who defeated the Jedi, and his speech okay. talks about being calm. All right. Hey, listen, like, uh, you know, Trevor and I, we, we sp- spun our wheels again on this, and I think we've, we've come to Luthen is force adjacent somehow, yeah. right? There, 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 there's something going on there where I, I don't think he's a full on Jedi, but either a family member or his culture was really into it, like Bays and Cheer. But yeah. Uh, Gabriel's not not that far off outside of the the, the ship having lightsaber lasers. Those are just as, like the lats in the Clone Wars. Yeah. Not as much as a moment as it is a potential thought on right. a character. Um, I like it. Thank you, Gabriel. Here we go. Yeah, no, good stuff. Uh, Lima four photos. My favorite. Okay, it's not necessarily a moment. Uh, <laughs> thing was how Lord Tony actually delivered on everything he promised and more. It, it, he kind of did. Yeah. On a more serious note, it's another great addition to the universe galaxy that we've come to love. It's never going to be enough to placate toxic fans, but at this point, I'm just happy to enjoy it all. It also makes for great Star Wars time show episodes to listen to while I take my long drive to and from work. Can't not have the Star Wars time show. I love bros this guy. Like he he really back. is. Is in terms of outside of the country and not in the UK. Lima is our biggest stomper oh, yeah. of all time. Oh, he's yeah. always dropping comments on videos like I asked, likes. He's always t- telling people like, what's your, what's your problem? Get with it. SWTS for yeah. life. So thank you, Lima. We speak your name and we love you. So next up, 2797 Studios. He kind of has a, a few moments. He says, hmm, doesn't Cheater. really have, does it have to be only one? I can think of a few great moments. Rick's Road, so I guess like the whole episode of Rick's yeah. Road, the finale. Um, Luthen Shop, the heist, Brasso killing a trooper with Marva's nice. brick. Uh, never more than 12, there but I go. gotta say Luthen's speech stands out as my favorite moment. What hey. do I sacrifice? Everything. Everything! Good job, uh, 2797. You did your, you, you did well. You did well. And then Cluster Thanks. Flux says. Siri, I wasn't <laughs> talking to you, asshole. Uh, Closer Flux says, loved Andor, okay. but any scene with, with Luth and Rael stole the show. Brilliant actor, incredibly cool character. Only thing I didn't like about Andor was his lack of non-human characters. I'd have liked to seen, like to have seen some of the struggles that near humans face under uh, the Empire's human supremacist regime. Apart from it, I thought it was near perfect uh, and so refreshing. So there you go. Cluster Flux hitting us with, yeah, the, he I likes Luthan. Luthen. When it's all said and done, he's right though, right? Luthen is like one of the most I mean, biggest shining spots of Andor, he, right? He is the most memorable character for sure. Like yeah. in a in a in a show that is named after a specific character, Luthen is definitely the one that you will remember most from season one. Yeah, I, I think that's obviously the way he was written, but more importantly, the way he was delivered. I mean, yeah. Stellan really fucking nailed that dude yeah and it, it's gonna suck when luthan goes down because it, it's happening so yeah how we don't know it'll be interesting to find out i think that that's what press pause last week was speculating that somehow cyril will kind of be the 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 linchpin of does he turn over luthan to dedra or cassian i really you know? hope so because that character needs a purpose 
Yeah, you're right. Like, you're right. I hope so. Out, outside of just, you know, having googly eyes for yeah. Dedra and, and, and all that crazy Not stuff. liking how his mom makes his blue milk cereal. <laughs> like, <laughs> but mom! He is one of those people. He is. All right. <laughs> I still some I don't know why I like him I like I like how creepy he is it's just, I don't know he's a good good creepy character okay man let's uh, transition to the last part of our fan segment that's the bread and butter or as uh, someone really took me to task last night in the DMs and told me uh, we don't know what the fuck we're doing we feature the same accounts too much and toy photography is not art so it can't be subjective. And was, we don't what? know we don't know shit about art or toy photography at the Star Wars time they, show. They, you should you should uh, <laughs> just call that person out by name so we could address those comments. <laughs> yeah, like, I will. Why not? So so uh, so hold on. Jason and and uh, Trevor and uh, uh, you know Sir Dork, everybody who's in here who's a toy photographer, who's most of the people in our chat right now. Do you agree that toy photography is not art and that it is a that it is a completely like objective thing? There is no subjectivity that is taken into the critique and or uh, viewing enjoyment of toy photography. Jared, Jason, Trevor. Uh, yeah, I, tones, I would like anyone that gets the streams caught up. This is a good question to ask because I was like, all right, whatever, dude. Yeah. Like when, when he said that, I just said, have a great day. That was yeah. my, my final reply. Yeah, here, here I'll read the exact uh, message. I don't care. Um, starts out, yo, guys, I have a question for you also. Okay, so here we go. So I tag you guys in my shots a lot, and I don't think I've ever been featured. And I personally don't care anymore at this point, but I was just wondering why you guys share the same 40-some people's shots. You share 97 shots all the time. I love his work, too, but there are other great photographers out there that deserve to have their work shared, too! It feels like you guys are just picking your favorites. Uh, I hello? mean... That's what the top five is. It's my top uh, well, five favorite shots. <laughs> like I don't. If know it were me, I'd share as many people's shots as I can, regardless of who they are or what the shot is. I don't mean to be a jerk, but just something for you guys to think about. I love your guys' podcast, but I personally feel you guys could do better to support in the community besides picking the same people. Okay. I mean, here's my reply. Art is subjective, isn't it? Thanks for the advice. Tend to pick what looks good to us. Also, we don't get a ton of variety in users. If we aren't added as a tag, the hashtag isn't reliable for everyone. He laughed at that reply and then said, Art is subjective? Question, question. They're toys! Face palm emoji. I seriously doubt you guys know anything about art or toy photography. Now, while I agree I don't know anything about art, I do know a lot about toy photography. I may not be the best, but I am one of the first to do it. And I've been in the motherfucking community since about 2015. So, I mean, I, I found this to be hilarious. I, I, I get these a lot and it's usually not this intense where, you yeah. know, I, a lot of times like, hey, how come you never feature me? Feature me, feature me. It's like, all right, fuck you, block. Um, but apparently this person just doesn't understand what a, what a feature page is and what 
picking stuff that you like means. Yeah, I mean, our top five has always been billed as... <laughs> My favorite like line Matt, seems you're just picking your favorites. Well, no shit. Yeah, I mean, like, literally, we start off the top five segment by saying Matt shares almost 100 images every week. So if, if you're talking about you would share as many as you can, like, that takes up a large majority of Matt's time. Like, he spends a lot of time parsing through everything that An gets tagged. An hour fucking day. Like the first thing I do in the morning, even when my little daughter's in there like, hey, let's go do something. I'm on my goddamn phone looking at the fucking Star Wars time show hashtag. And this cunt's telling me we don't do enough for the community. Yeah. Like, How many motherfuckers have copied what we've done? Look yeah. at all these people out there interviewing toy photographers. We fucking did that first. Yeah. And then like. Talking we about toy on, photography on a weekly basis. We did that first. Yeah. Like we like, I don't want to take all the credit, but like, yes, like we were one of the first podcasts out there to put a large spotlight on the, the community. First. Don't, don't say one. We <laughs> were it. We were it. And like, but also like we, every time we start the top five, we started off by saying, Matt picks out his favorites from the week and shares them on our feed. And then I pick my top five. I don't pick it based off of who hasn't been featured first, like who hasn't been featured and who has. I pick it based off of quality of the shot and what appeals to me. Like that is exactly yes. the criteria. Of yes. it. And it's always been transparent in terms of the criteria. It's never been that we're going to try to feature five new accounts every week. Like it, that's not how it goes. Like it's always been of what Matt shares, which is a lot of shots per week. I pick out my favorites. So let's, let's just clear that up for everybody who's, who may be confused about it. That's what it's been since day one. And that's how it continues to be since, you know, like into that's, that's the future. A, we're not just a fucking slapdick feature page. Like, you know, we, we started that cause I knew it would maybe drive eyes to the audience and we've continued it cause we have built a little bit of a community there and people do, uh, you know, feel good to be in the top five. So I keep doing it. There are people that when I feature them, it, it makes their fucking day. And I like that. Okay. But it's always been subjective. I, I, I don't just throw up garbage. You know how much shit gets submitted to this hashtag that I have to filter through. If you want to go look at crap, go look at other feature pages that will put up anything that just tags them. And I'm not calling Star Wars The Black Series a, a shitbag at all. I mean, he's fantastic. But he'll put up more just toy photography. We, me, I pick shit that pleases me. Yeah, okay? That has it's always been that way. It's never changed. It. And if people get repeated features, it's because they're fucking good. And they put out quality art. And they fucking, they're on program, right? Yeah. Hands up, on program. <laughs> they tag and use a hashtag. This motherfucker's like, oh, I've been telling I looked at his last six shots, he didn't fucking tag us. You know? Yeah. yeah I like, mean, I, I can tell you one thing. Anyone listening to this, if you don't know me well, if you ever come for me, you better have your fucking receipts, all right? I am very hard to get one over on. I don't lose fucking arguments, ever. Unless I'm wrong, which barely happens. But when people want to fuck around, I know how to fuck around. I'm not even talking physically. I'm talking mentally. I will have my shit locked down in a case like a fucking lawyer. And I will litigate your ass into obscurity. So get the fuck out of here with this. That's what we are. 
We're not a feature page for every Tom, Dick, and Harry out there. We feature quality Star Wars toy photography, art, poop sculptures, whatever you want. <laughs> if it looks fucking good, it's going to go up. If it doesn't resonate with me, it's not going to go up. You know what? My next reply, if I, if I get another one of these, is going to be get good. Okay? Get good. And then you'll be featured. Thank you. All right. I didn't mean to go into that, but it just, it, 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 I was reminded of being chastised last night. And it's like in the end, he's just some shithead on Instagram. I don't really care. But as a human that has dedicated uh, four plus years to this fucking nonsense and still hasn't realized any of his own dreams, sometimes that shit rubs me the wrong way. Okay. Yeah. I Thank mean, you. it's. Well, it's notice been, I didn't give his handle, so I'm not really giving him yeah, direct attention. Really raking him over the coals as hard as we could. But right. I, I, I yeah, just need this for me. I'm, I'm, I'm purging a little of my soul, Jason. Sorry. Okay, let's go. Let's, <laughs> it's been a yeah. long show. We're on three hours. Uh, Nick needs to eat or he's going to go crazy. So let, let's get into it. This is how we do it. Top five this week. Um, I used the wrong term. I said Nick is silent quitting on the top five. It's quiet quitting. Uh, but he's back. <laughs> He'll figure it out. I think he's back on schedule maybe yeah. next Monday because I don't want to make it four weeks in a row of me <laughs> yeah. picking. But I did pick him this week after you featured. If you're new here, tag at Star Wars Time Show. Literally, add tag Star Wars Time Show and then use hashtag Star Wars Time Show. So just like Mon Mothma, you have all your bases covered when it comes to getting your shots in front of my stupid eyes. All right? So... I'll usually feature them out every day. Nick will pick the five. This week I picked the five, so let's go ahead and check them out, my friend. Up first, starting with some real-ass paint or some real kick-ass paint. I don't even know how you describe this style here, but this comes yeah. from at K-O-K-A-Y-O underscore artwork on Instagram, and it is fantastic. It's it's like an Oof. illustrated, cartoony, but not Disney um, uh, piece of Ahsoka and Sabine in their Rebels gear. Yeah, I mean, this is just like next level, like digital artwork. Um, I mean, it really, ha like I love the exaggerated features, especially in the face for both um, Sabine and Ahsoka. The pose that they nail is awesome. It almost looks like they're in like a dance club and they're like, uh, this is like right at the end of the dance when they like do their hold pose moment. Um, I don't know, man, like this, this art style definitely has like reminiscence of like some of Savvy and some of the other like real ass painters that we have in the, in the community, but it just does have that like little extra pop, um, in this, yeah, that, I don't that know really what it is. It's just, out. it does. It's like, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, it does kind of fall into that Disney style of animation, but it also, it, it also some somewhat doesn't. Yeah. I just know it's to this person, it's pleasing to my eyes. So, yes, it is subjective, as all art is, dummy. So, I like it. So, here we go. Makes the top five and it made a feature. But, I mean, if you go check out KO's page, it's just like all of this excellent here. Just all yeah. kick ass art in that style. I mean, look, look at this stuff. Look at this. Tons look of at all these Ahsoka, Ahsoka stuff. pieces. Even like the it's, little, it's almost like it's Luke it's like Leia. overemphasized too, right? Like it's not yeah. like chibi overemphasized where it's a big ass head, but it, it, they their bodies they seem I don't know a little stretched out or skinnier. Yeah. The features just, are definitely exaggerated to like give them a little bit more. Like it doesn't look lifelike, but it's not supposed to. So yeah, yeah. I mean, excellent. Yeah, any, any of you smart people in here, 
Is Devin still in here? What, what the hell style would you call this? Please report in the chat. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So uh, definitely give at KO underscore artwork a follow. I mean, typically when we share art, it doesn't it doesn't hit as well as the toy photography and poop sculptures. But this is an artist you need to check out. Absolutely. Um, up next, uh, at 16J, who is like this master 1-6 scale figure customizer and creator, has a new creation, Nick. And it's like... It's like a badass. It almost looks like old school era Mandalorian custom fig, like like Tar Vizsla era, you know, yeah. like or even even before Clone Wars. But it, I mean, just a great looking custom fig. It's got, you know, Mando helmets and blue paint on on the on the chest piece. The helmet almost looks like it has ears coming up where the antenna are at. It's just a it's just a great looking self-crafted figure. Like, I, how does this guy do this shit? These yeah, aren't little six inch figures or three and three quarter inch figures. These are those $300 Barbies and he's creating his own. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's actually insane how much detail that he can get into not only like the sculpts them, themselves that he's using, but like the weathering details, even though like the weathering. Oh into, shit. He like, even has a, a lightsaber. Goods. I didn't see There's like a full yeah, shot. Hanging, he's got a lightsaber on his belt. Yeah. Hanging right. I mean, under maybe that his, is fucking Tar Vizsla. Yeah. I mean, he says in, in the, in the reveal, like in his post, he says it's pre Vizsla, but, but yeah, he says pre Vizsla during Clone Wars, pre Vizsla served as governor of Concordia, the moon of Mandalore and appeared to be a close ally of Duchess Satine Kreese. But Vizsla had another secret life. He was a leader of death, death watch, a hidden group of Mandalore. I guess that is, that is pretty close to his, his kit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, lightsaber edition. Definitely. But like, yeah, I mean, he's just, he just has an eye and has the ability to do this weathering that is just like so realistic. I mean, those Paul, like the shoulder pauldrons, like the, the wrist guards and stuff like that, the, the, the yeah, level like, of detail is I, I wonder if he, if he's just like kit bashing from other Hot Toys figures or if some of this is 3D printed. Uh, I, I just, I, I don't even know what a figure like this would cost. Cause dude, we're, we're talking, I think I asked Trevor one time. Just to get a custom one six scale hand, hand painted head sculpt could be two or three hundred dollars just for the fucking head. And in one six J, I mean, this is the guy that created the one six scale Revan that uh, uh not one six shooter, but the other six one six photographer that does a lot of one six scale photography shots. So, I mean, th- this guy regularly produces custom one six scale Star Wars figures that you can't get anywhere. So. Check him out at number one, literally one, sixth, sixth J on Instagram. Good. Moving on to the dude here. All right. Um, Black Series. This guy got another opportunity with a major sports organization. Remember over the summer, Nick, he did the the poster and shot for, was that the Galaxy, the, the soccer team out there in yeah. LA? Yep. Well, now... Uh, Zay, I'm assuming, has been commissioned by the fucking Anaheim Ducks to create a Star Wars poster for, I don't know if it's their Disney night or their Star Wars night, but we have his end result right here on the top five. And, and once again, this guy has gone above and beyond on all levels. Everything you see here, Nick, practical, okay? He made the fucking Anaheim Duck mask for Boba. He made the sticks by hand. He made oh the God. fucking ice rink by hand the the checkboards all right you know the <laughs> yeah. hit boards the mm-hmm. the black series light up stuff all practical okay 
That's everything just, in this shot is practical, and then he goes in and does his post-processing magic to really kind of sell the atmosphere. But look at this! Look at this! Yeah. I mean, it, it's unbelievable. Like at like before when I first saw the shot, not knowing that it it, it is a a collaboration with the Anaheim Ducks. Oh, it's official. official. Like this is real. Yeah. Like official. Like, you can go there and get posters and probably meet Zay. Like dude is essentially a celebrity in LA sports venues now because of his toy photography excellence. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely insane. The first time I saw it though, I was like, oh man, this is an awesome play between like the mighty ducks, like movies and shows and star Wars. But like now knowing that it is actually a piece from the Anaheim Ducks, just insane man i mean like zay is clearly it's just crazy on, on like a and, he, and he's always so you know generous with his abilities and he put out a full uh, behind the scenes where you get to see how he made the, mm-hmm. the ice rink everything and i did a reaction video to it and literally just kept my eyes open the whole like two minutes wide open just like what am i looking at like how how do, how do people even have these ideas you know what i mean like you see the shot and you're like that's a cool fucking shot but you think about how he went from a to z and I just go, yeah, I don't have that ability. Like my yeah. brain doesn't operate that way. Crazy, crazy, crazy. So ch- check them out. And I, I don't know, maybe the game already passed or it's coming up, but check out at BLKSRS on Instagram for details. Or if you're out there in that area, uh, I, I know that I think the games either happened or it's coming up this week, uh, but this is a real thing. And I believe there's going to be posters and all that jazz. So once again, like plastic action, I mean, fucking black series is, is, is taking this shit, running with it. And, and getting some uh, major hype with organizations you wouldn't really figure Associate toy photography. With- yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, what? I mean, speaking of plastic action, I just saw that motherfucker's uh, doing a campaign with Xbox, Nick. Damn. Like he, he's, pr- he's producing <laughs> toy photography advertising for fucking Microsoft and Xbox. That's amazing. That's Woo! Amazing. You, gotta, you gotta love to, to kind of see where these guys, are. I mean, I, I was in there at ground level seeing all these guys and they were, they were 10 times better than me back then. And now they're like a million times better. And I'm glad they're getting these opportunities, but we're not doing enough for the toy community. So go fuck myself. Right. Nick. <laughs> yeah. We, right. we clearly don't do enough, even though I'm pretty sure on this top five, looking at the last one already, we have two first time features on here. So yeah. Not yeah. enough. Movie. And the best part is, I mean, half the people don't even watch the show that we honor, and that's okay. It's not like yeah. you don't have to do it, but we're here for you. Okay, th- this next one, this is Tank cool. Toys speaks to me. All right, yeah. Uh, the, the the way this guy thinks and what he produces, it, it, up there with a you know visual approach, one six work more or less black series plastic where you see it and you're just like, yep, yeah, this is gold. Yeah. Sir Dork, I mean, poor Sir Dirk is Dirk. 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 Uh, he's been like in La La Land because of all these fucking hacks. Uh, as of last week, he's still not on any meta platforms because someone jacked his his Facebook. So Insane. he hasn't been on Instagram, which is like his bread and butter. So hopefully he's, you know, still kicking ass and taking names and, and making the most of his opportunities. But he's he's going through a nightmare that I've dreamed for myself, yet he actually has a following. And I, I don't even know how he's able to handle that stress and anxiety knowing platforms with, you know, you, you probably combine his Facebook and instant. He's probably over 100,000 people just gone at this point. So fuck hackers in Vietnam. All right. Tank Toys here. Fantastic scene recreation shot, as I like to call them from the, they're always a bigger fish 
mm-hmm. moment in the Phantom Menace. Menace, Jesus, I need to get off the mic. <laughs> uh, when they're in that, the, you know, the the Gungan submarine and yeah. those, you know, the the Opie fish or whatever comes to get them. It's just, dude, it's it's like a spot on recreation. And oh, I'm assuming yeah. these. I think, that, dude, is that and fi- that fish t- has to be custom, right? Honestly, Nick, I think this is a Christmas ornament. Oh wow! Because wow. I, I I think I have this ornament, and hopefully Tank's listening, and hope they can clarify. But I, I think this may be a Christmas ornament in this shot, mm-hmm. and it's literally the moment from the Phantom Menace where the first big fish sticks its tongue out onto the bongo and tries to mm-hmm. suck it in yeah. before another big fish comes in and Qui Gon pays off on his wisdom. So on Tank's post, he says, "Last summer while tidying up the garage, I found this OPC killer." Among my old toys. So it had okay. to be. Right. Yeah, it's like, just a standard, probably three yeah. and three quarter inch then. All right. Crazy. Well, so, I tried. So cool. So cool. <laughs> Either way, it's a kick-ass shot, as are most tank toys. Like tank toys, you just they do a great job at, at developing a scene and then bringing the scene to life. And, and I and like I, the, their, their darker take on lighting, too. Yeah. I also like, too, that like oftentimes I don't like when people use like too much blur or like fisheye effect on stuff. But I think it works well in this shot because it was such a dynamic moment. Like the yeah, ship it, was yeah, moving. It was a, it was a moving was scene. Right. Yeah. So the, the, they added that movement in there. Um, yeah. I dig it. I dig it. All right, so that is at Tank Toys. Very easy. Tank and then Toys. You can't miss it over on Instagram. And, you know, our last shot here is another example of just building a like a fucking world on your desk. And, and this one comes from at Darth underscore Bev. And, you know, Nick, it, 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 literally, it truly is just a scene. It's not really a shot of anything. And what we see, it's like an alleyway on any Star Wars backwoods planet, sandy planet. And, you know, Hondo's there. You got, uh, I forget what this faction is from The Force Awakens with those red helmets. What the hell were they called? Oh, they were the... uh, They were one of the people that showed up on Han's salvage ship. Oh, Kanja Club. Well, that they weren't Kanja Club then. Kanja okay. Club was the other faction. So this is the not Kanja Shit. Club people. This is not Kanja Club. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, the not Kanja Club guy. <laughs> He's there, but it it's like, you know... Hondo's hanging out, Wado's flying by. It's like, hey, yeah. Hondo, how you doing? You know, one of those deals. And it's just, yeah. to me, Nick, it's 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 the scene that Darth Bev built here with all, you know, you got like these pipes hanging down, you got the atmospheric lighting, you got cloth hanging down. It just, it feels like a a street in Star Wars. Yeah, no, it does. And like, that's that's always the best shots too, is like where you can build the story in your head. Like if it's a shot that has like, no actual context in a movie or something like that. If you can look at it with the pieces put together and be like, oh yeah, man, like I could totally see this like playing out. Hondo hanging around on some backwater planet. Watto go and look for scraps to, to fill up his scrapyard back on Tatooine. They run into each other and and have have a drink after. Yeah. I mean, I, I love it. I love the Well, the I mean, think about it. These are two of the two of the biggest barterers in all Star Wars. <laughs> so they, they could be sitting there, you know, having a haggle off over you know hyperdrive unit or something and and Watto's bitching about not accepting credits and Hondo's like what everyone takes credits you know so you you never know like you said you kind of make up your story for this one I just I really love the 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 world building yeah there we go the Guavians there we go the Guavians thank you thank you (laughs) thank you Jason Young the death gang I, I, I was at the tip of my tongue 
I kind of like not Kanja Club. I think we're going to stick yeah, with not that. Kanja Club. Is, is <laughs> you got Kanja Club and, and not Kanja Club. And these yeah. guys fall into the not Kanja Club category. All right, Nick, go ahead. That Shut is, her down or, or kick me into the shutdown. We didn't have you here in. last week for that. Uh, that's the end of the top five. Thank you, Matt, for covering on my absence. And then as I came back and was adjusting <laughs> back to real life, as I told Matt earlier, I didn't even know today was Tuesday. <laughs> Uh, until early hey, or so. That's how you know Nick's living a good life, all right? Like the dude goes on vacations, he works for himself and forgets what day is what. That that's not it's, a bad problem to have just when you when you have to do a scheduled uh podcast, you at least need to figure out when it. Monday and Tuesday yeah. are. What's right? the first day of the week? Yeah. So uh <laughs> thank you to Matt for for covering everything. Thank you to Trevor last week for filling in for me. Right. I'm sure that the the show itself was infinitely better with somebody who is uh, more knowledgeable on well, the Well, we actually didn't just scream at each other the whole time and say <laughs> the other person's opinion stupid, so that was a win. That was... <laughs> yeah, so. Good stuff I'm there. better. No, I'm better. My opinion's better. <laughs> so, All right, thank thanks, Nick. It, it's yeah. that time, man. StarWarsTime.net, my friends. There's always time for Star Wars Time. That's our home base on the internet. Don't forget it. That's the best, really the easiest way you can tell noobs how they can get linked into the Star Wars Time show. At least those fans that don't think we're stupid and don't know how to feature the toy community. StarWarsTime.net. That's where you can find us. You can hit all the podcast links. So we do the, the live stream on Tuesdays. That is then recorded and put out on the podcast platforms on a Wednesday. Uh, so make sure to get out there, sub up, leave ratings and reviews on the platforms that allow it. That is very important, even more important than money itself. Like the only thing I care about is building an audience and there will never be an audience too big for me. So keep it coming. There is a void within my Star Wars soul that always needs filled. Tuesday helps, but, but we would like more. I, I want to get that chat window scrolling a little bit faster. All right, a little bit faster, a little more engagement, a little more fans watching. So StarWarsTime.net, let's do it. Ratings and reviews. I'm seeing a lot of people, you know, hey, look, we showed up in the good good pod squad recommendations. Guess what? We sure shit don't because we don't have enough ratings and reviews. Keep it up. StarWarsTime.net, my friends, there is always time for it. And don't forget, if you listen to the Star Wars Time show, the Force will be with you. Always.